This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by ASICS. Energize your runs with their Super Blast shoe, stacked with the bounciest, lightest FF Blast Turbo Foam technology for a supercharged ride. Visit asics.com.au or your specialty running retail store to grab your pair today. Enjoy the episode. episode number 286 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you. A lot's happened in the running world over the last seven days. So thank you for downloading the show, streaming, download, whatever people do these days, and uh, listening to us talk about it for the next 60, probably 90 minutes, I reckon. There's a lot to get through tonight. Maybe joined by Andy Buchanan at some stage as well throughout the evening. Uh, London Marathon happened, Jowls Park, New South Wales cross country, good listener question in, Moose on the Loose, hopefully just one this week, um, and an Ed Goddard interview at the very end. Welcome to my co-host, Julian Spence. Saw you on Saturday. How are you going in over the internet now, Moose, on a Monday night? Well, pretty good. It's been a long weekend, hasn't it? Didn't well, you work today? it been for me. School kids back today? No, Mondays are off. Monday is my regular day off, so it, it, it means that um, I have four days off in a row, sort of off. I mean, you know, you, small business owner never have a day off. Mm, that's what I thought it was you like. You all know that. Yeah, that's right. But you don't have to drive to Geelong. That's probably the best thing. Okay. How long is it from Anglesey? Oh, like 35 to 40. Okay. We were talking about that on the weekend, actually, yeah. about like... The long runs never seem to be in Geelong, though. Everyone comes to you out of Geelong. It's, Geelong's concrete okay. and pretty uninspiring. So if you're in Geelong, you've kind of got the option of running around the river, which is just all concrete and flat, or you can you can run to the suburbs, but it's all concrete. Um, or you go to Yuyangs, which is about like 20, 20 minutes away from Geelong. That's bloody good out there, but it's... It's it's not quite as nice as the trails down, like 30 minutes down the coast. Um, and then we have some people live in Torquay and stuff. So it's easier if, if, if you join the coastal crew. I just thought because the big dog was down there, that's why everyone went down. You weren't getting in your car to go the other nah, way. No, even when I, lived in Ge- when I lived in Geelong, we were driving down. We were, we'd probably do like one run at the UEs for every three runs on the surf coast. Okay, my other co-host is in good shape two weeks out from his 10K, Bradley Croker up in Canberra. How are you going? Good, thanks, Brady. Enjoy my long weekend as well. Do you not go to work either today? No, it was a people free day today for our school. I don't like how schools do that, Croaks. Like parents have been at home for two weeks, school holidays, and the first day back they just pull a pupil free day. Don't parents have it hard enough yeah, when the kids are on school holidays? Surely it makes sense, though. 
<laughs> makes sense to do that. Like, yeah. what's yeah. the point coming back for a day? What was what was good was Lily's school went back today. So, uh, and Polis is in daycare. So, because not like during the school holidays, I've been looking after Lily while um while Viv's at work. Yeah, one day. So you got the day at home with Viv. Well, Viv was at work today, so I had the I had the day home oh boy. to myself. Jeez. What'd you do all day by yourself? Pro, pro run pro runner life. Uh what did I do? Cook, cook dinner, did a little bit of little bit of podcast stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. What kind of did you get that interview teed up? Uh well that's all teed up. Uh, I've just got to work out when we'll do it. because um, he's away at the moment. Uh, no, it started to look into some more Patreon shout outs. So oh, that's okay. um Takes takes a bit of time, the old Patreon stalking. Research, I used to call it croaks. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, go through your thing. week, Bradley. Let's hear all about it. Big uh, 5K time trial. Bit of a rust buster on the Friday, I think. Yeah, so Monday just uh, an hour, uh, 4.20s, and then went out for half an hour in the afternoon um, on a sort of dirt path outside of Mulligan's flat. But the GPS, I think it was a bit off. I, I Definitely an average 412s. I think it was more like closer to 420s. It just started off, um, yeah, it wasn't right at the start. Tuesday morning, just jumped on the treadmill for 35 minutes at five-minute Ks, which, um, yeah, I reckon on the treadmill, like I I never run five-minute Ks outside, but I reckon five-minute Ks on the treadmill feels probably more like maybe like 445s outside. Like it's, it's easy, but it's, you know, I reckon it feels faster than five-minute Ks would outside. Um, that afternoon, there wasn't a group session because most people had raced that Sunday. So I went back out to Thoroughbred Park um, because there wasn't a group session. I could train a little bit earlier. Uh, so the session I did was five, four, three, two, one, and then five minutes, uh, all off 75-second jog. So the jogs were between 4 and 4.05K pace. Uh, I quite like this session, I, I guess, because I'd had a pretty solid three weeks. Like all my sessions had been going really well, and I just wanted one that was a little bit, I guess, cruisier, um, knowing that I was going to do a pretty solid 5k on the Friday. So, um, what I like about this one is it generally starts pretty pretty steady, and you just work through the gears. So I went 316 for the five minute rep, and then 308 for the four minute, 305 for the three, 257 for the two. 252 for the one and then back to 313s for the um five minutes so that was a yeah 319 average for um yeah just under 8k there you did one set of that one set just one set yeah so it works out at like 26 minutes just over 26 minutes if you do five four three two one five and all off 75 second job oh then you go back to five yeah Yeah. so what was your last five 313 313 so what, what paces are we like talking about here so what efforts like threshold uh, yeah so i generally work on say the five minute at around like threshold or like six, 60 minute sort of pace um the four minute more at sort of 45 minute pace the three minute at sort of 30 minutes um, or 10k uh and then more like 5k for the two minute and you know sort of i guess 3k for the one minute that's that's rough like that's roughly what I prescribe, um, you know, effort wise or, or pace wise. You ever done it off um, sixty seconds croaks and it rounds it's spot on twenty five minutes. Yeah, well so this is actually the first time I've done the five at the end. Normally I just do five, four, three, two, one. And when I first did it, I used to do uh, I think we used to have like ninety seconds between the five and the four and the four and the three, and then I had one minute between the 
three and the two and the two and the one. So I've sort of changed it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy the session it's a fun because workout, the first, isn't it? yeah, like because the first half of it, like the five and the four, you know, it almost feels just like a bit of a th- bit of a threshold. Yeah, um, and then wrong. and then. Yeah, and so if your motivation's not real high, I find, and like, not that my, my motivation was high for this session, but if your motivation's not high, it's a session where you can just ease into it because you know it's going to be pretty cruisy to start with. Yeah, um, and then I reckon if you do it correctly, you should almost feel like your brakes are back on in that last five minutes. Like, if you've yeah. got to bust your chops to then hit that 313 like you did, um, you're probably on a bit too hard. Yeah, and the other thing I like about it is often when you've run faster, sometimes the, the last five minutes often feels easier than the first five minutes mm, because yeah. when you go from like, you know, low to mid 250 pace back to 313, it, it feels, if anything, probably the first couple of minutes feels the worst because you still got a little bit of junk in your legs from running fast for a minute. Um, but then also, like, do you, do you jog pretty quick on this session? Yeah, uh, probably not as quick as you do. I mean, I've done it with Archie yeah, a couple of times, and he, yeah, he's um, he's sorted me out. Doing, yeah, because when you're running, I suppose four minute k's, like it starts to it does start to catch up with you a little bit, because that's not a lot of it's not a lot of recovery when you're still rolling four minutes in between. But I felt felt pretty good on that session, um, given it's gravel and stuff. Then my midweek long run went a little bit longer than the week before, so I did 23k. Uh, 411s which yeah it was like an hour 36 um thursday is basically my i guess rest day um i just went out for 35 minutes at 418s and did some strides and then friday morning went out to do a hard hard 5k um and then the plan was if i felt like if, if i hadn't completely buried myself i'd do a you know a bit of a tempo afterwards so um i was I definitely got myself up for this session more than all of my others, but I still didn't have the same sort of like, you know, adrenaline pumping that I would for a race. And I think I was more nervous because I knew I wanted to run somewhere like around 15 minutes, like anywhere between sort of 15 and probably like 15, 20. But I I was hoping that I wouldn't look down at my watch within that first kilometre. I feel like I'm running like three minute Ks and it's like 3.08s where you're like, oh, fuck, like I'm working really hard for 3.08s here. Um, but it went, yeah, it went pretty well. Like I felt really good for the first couple of K where I was rolling, uh, what I do, like 3.02, 3.01. And then I got to about two and a half K and I was thinking to myself, this is the stuff that I've really neglected. Like I've done three minute reps at about this pace and I've done thresholds like hell of a lot slower and I've done long runs at a decent clip. So I feel like I'm strong, but that sort of speed endurance where, you know, it starts to take its toll after sort of that six, seven minutes. I'm like, I really haven't done this stuff and I'm not sure how it's going to go over the last sort of seven, eight minutes of this, of this effort. So I just dialed it back a little bit because I didn't want to get to the point where, the last K I was completely just spent and just hanging on and, and like I wanted to come away from it with a little bit of confidence. So I just backed off a little bit, ran like 304 for the third K, then 303. And then just after 4K, I did a did a U-turn, which that was probably the hardest part was, you know, I've got a K, to, a K to go. I pretty much just, and there was no cone or anything I was running around. It was just almost just stop, turn around and, and go back. And if you have a look at my pace, chart it just drops it just drops right off just after 4k and so um getting back up to speed was a bit tough but i, I closed in 257 which um i was happy with how that went so that was yeah like 15 10 um 
took so in terms of effort I, look i reckon it was probably like i'm hoping it's about 10k pace but given it was training and you know it's the back end of three weeks of you know 150k it's probably more like like closer to 5k effort but i'm hoping it's closer to 10k pace when i do race um but anyway i took like three minutes recovery or three three and a half something like that i, di- I didn't time it and then um i just tempoed back to where we started and so i averaged 315s for 10 minutes um which the first probably five minutes felt the worst because i was just running running the shit out of my legs so i went like 318 317 and 310 for the last k and the 310 um yeah probably felt better than the first couple of k's did because by that stage i I felt like i sort of recovered um but i think those sort of two two to two and a half k reps at 10k pace is something that i've sort of been neglecting so i think i'll add a little bit more that into my program and just you know combine it with a little like not do a full session of that sort of stuff but maybe um I know two to three times two two and a half k reps, and also throw in some tempo stuff as well. So I was happy with how the morning morning went. Um, I definitely couldn't have kept going for another five k at that pace on Friday. So what about uh, another two? You reckon yeah. another two k out? Uh, I think You're pretty if, cool well, at the end. I, well, I think because I, I kicked down like the last k was pretty like well the last four hundred or so I was definitely like pushing. Whereas if I didn't if I had to go another 2K, I wouldn't have kicked so early. I would have probably just run another like 302, 303, which would have then sort of got me a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you run off the markers there? They're markers on that trail? No. No. Question just, the distance just, just, just my watch. Just wondering how you, how you know that when you do a U-turn. Blew up Strava. What do you mean? What? likes. 18 comments. Well, I just, I just knew that I wanted to um, get back to, so I knew where the, so I basically turned around, I ran back, that would have been the 3K mark, and I knew I was going to do a 10-minute tempo, like a 3K tempo from from there. So, but it was all just off the watch. I just ran until it hit 5K. So, well, yeah, there's, it, there's no, um, you, don't need, not, you don't need to run on a course, you're just doing it on a Friday morning or whatever. That's right, it's not, and it's not even about the time, it's more about the effort, because remember last year at Sydney 10, I got to 8K, and I'm like, I have not done any sort of race-type effort, and so I'm completely cooked now, whereas I definitely start, I definitely got that feeling in that last K, which was the whole purpose of it, so hopefully this time around when I go to Sydney 10, as long as I don't cook myself early, hopefully I can close a bit better than I did last year. Um, Do you think that's a mindset thing? What's that? Like um, you think that the reason last year that you couldn't finish as strong as you wanted because you hadn't exposed yourself to that in um, in training. Yeah, in a way, I just I don't I, you know you know how a race brings you up and then you, like you you basically race hardened. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I think I know what you're saying for sure, but I'm just wondering if you if you've if you're referring to the the mental side of it, or or whether you you think that it it helps you physically, uh, well, pro- probably physically more than mentally, because doing this like this doesn't help me that much mentally, because I've run fifteen ten, and like I'm hoping to run maybe like thirty thirty for ten k, which is pretty much doing this again, and there's no way I could have done that again in training, but I'm hoping that a race. Uh, in the race environment, I am able to do it. Plus, having a harder effort 
a couple of weeks out will hopefully just raise the fitness a little bit whereas you know most of my training is very much just like tempo threshold type stuff or yeah 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 yeah. yeah. so that was my next question um it's a trap i reckon like going back to what's got you so good right now because you don't really need to get better at 5k's or 10k's you do you 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 need more and more weeks and months of what you're doing right now because you want to nail a marathon 100 uh, percent. Yeah, yeah and yeah and i'm glad you raised it moose because I, I i think to myself three minute k's now like does not feel that comfortable like it doesn't even it doesn't really matter how fit i get it's always going to be hard because i'm i'm just older um and so i'm almost better off doubling down now on the strength stuff yeah and sprinkling in a couple of, the, and, and that's what I said to you about this. Like, like it went through my head at two and a half K. I'm like, you know what? This would be a really good session if I stop right now. Gave, and so I've run, you know, basically two and a half K at three minute Ks. Give myself two minutes recovery, do another one of these, and then do some like tempo to finish off the session and just to give it a bit of extra volume. Like for, for me, that seems like pretty low risk, but keeps enough speed there. Um, and is a bit more five and 10 K specific as opposed to like one K reps running three minute K's. Like you never quite get into that, uh, that neuromuscular fatigue that you get when you've been running three minute K's for like closer to 10 minutes. So, yeah. yeah. So I want to sprinkle some of this in, but I think I'm better off doubling down on the volume and the strength stuff. Yeah. It's, it is a big difference going from three minutes to five minutes in one of those repeats. Uh, it just gets exponentially harder, I, mm. I find anyway. Um, that's why I like three-minute reps rather than like much much longer. Because I, I, maybe it would be good for you if you if you're training for a lot of these types of races. And I mean, of course, it would be good for you if this is what you're training for. And a younger athlete, like you, you brought up being older and then not like doubling down on the strength. But it, I, I think a younger athlete does better with this type of training than an older athlete. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so anyway, and, and cause I haven't run, I haven't run like a three, like I've run three minute K's, but only for a K the last time I ran like multiple sort of low three minute K's was probably a couple of weeks before Gold Coast. I did a solid five K around Yerby pond. And so that was like June last year. So, you know, that, and that's the reason why I wanted to do this just to almost, you know, tr- get my body ready for, for that t- 10k um so anyway it was a yeah it was a it was a good fun morning like weather was awesome like yeah and also wore the um i have the alpha flies where i haven't worn the alpha flies since gold coast marathon last year um i find you know i get way more pop out of them than, than i do in the next percent which i next percent two which i use for most of my sessions on the bike paths yeah. uh yeah and then that afternoon Got out for another 7.5K at 4.14s at Mulligans. Uh, Saturday morning, did 16K uh, 4.11s. Listened to the Ed Goddard interview, which will be at the end of this episode. And, um, yeah, saw Kerry Saxby Jr. on the bike. Do you know who Kerry Saxby is? No, I don't. No. Oh, she was probably the person that put Australian race walking on the map. She's... um three-time Olympian. Uh, I think she's won two Commonwealth Games gold medals and maybe a silver. Um, She's won uh, a silver and a bronze at World Championships. So she was like the 
the sort of pinup girl in the 90s, I think, of um, of like race walking. So she's one of one of the best in the world. Finished seventh, maybe, at the Sydney Olympics. You have so, a poster of her on your bedroom wall. Like it, hasn't it? No, I don't. Yeah, I just, I just remember. Records. I just remember that she was a real like she was a big name in like Australian athletics um, because of yeah there you go set thirty two world records um, thirty two world records yeah, yeah world represented best. Australia yeah represented Australia twenty seven times um, yeah so she won gold at here we go Should so the nineteen over in the shop moose yeah nineteen ninety com games um, ninety four com games and then she got silver at the ninety eight com games and then she won. Bronze at the 99 World Champs and the, what other one, uh, where was it? And silver in the 87 World Champs. And, one, yeah, I think she won gold as well at one of the World Indoor Champs when they obviously had race walking there. So, anyway, I'll often see her out at Mulligans on the bike. Um, so I'm sure some of our older listeners would be aware of who Kerry Saxby is. Yeah. Indoor race walking. Yeah, that must have, must have been a thing back in the day. There you mm. go. Um, yes, yeah, so that was 10 mile. Uh, that afternoon, I jumped on the treadmill for 30 minutes um, or 32 minutes at 5 minute K to 6.5 K. And then, yeah, Sunday uh, did 32 K at 404s. Um, yeah, so it was a week of 157. So body's, body's good. Um, that'll be my biggest week. So I'll, I'll um, only run like an hour 45 probably this Sunday. That's a big week. Yeah, so it's. I think I've had my last three have been between like one fifty three and one fifty seven. So. All right, question for um, Brady first. <sighs> Brady, what do you reckon the big the big man would have run at jails? Uh, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's hard to know. It's hard well, to know. we were there. Fifteen ten. We, we sound like a perfect morning U turn. So what do we give that? Like a fifteen oh five. On the track, 15 dead? I don't know. What are the, I'm what, asking about jails. What are the 15 dead guys running at jails? What kind of shape do you reckon you're in? Is it, isn't there a rule, uh, take four minutes off? Maybe 19 dead, same as you. Your internet all right? Your internet all right? Can you guys hear me okay? Can mm. now. Patchy. Shit. Why, is it even, why is it even relevant? No, I'm, I'm interested. This is a good combo. Hang on, I'll change my internet Comedy. settings. Can I want to hear okay where Brady's now? head's at with this. I, um, I yeah, think he's on. fit. I think he's fit. But I don't know what – I didn't think I'd run what I ran at Jowls. Like, it's hard to convert road times to cross-country. I was impressed I by this mess. 1905, I reckon. I already run. started What comparing. do you reckon? You would have run Crokes? I've got no idea. I've never run Jowls before. <laughs> do you think you're fit of the moose, Crokes? I've got no idea. Oh. Didn't you just beat Gunther though? And didn't you say Gunther's not going real good? He had a good one though. He dusted a few. <laughs> Took us from eighth to fifth in one leg. Yeah, I'm going okay. Like, yeah, I'm going okay for an old guy who. Look, the, what I need to do is string together another six months because if I look back to when I was running my best, it was 2017 and 2018. So 2017, I. Basically, ran Canberra Marathon, so I had a really good start of the year, ran Canberra Marathon, had a really good next few months until I got injured before um, before Berlin, missed like five or six weeks, and then had a really good block again until Lake Biwa. So I had pretty much a year where 
I didn't really miss too much. That's that's what I need to get back to. Yeah, well, the bars are looking good on Strava. Mm. They're yeah. it's a fine looking. Uh, what do you call that? Progression. Uh, yeah. Well, like I started back sessions at the end of Jan. So when we when we did a session moose in um, Bathurst, I think I'd been back doing sessions like two or three weeks. So like I'm significantly fitter than I was back then. And even then, I thought I was, that session was okay. So, so anyway, thirty we'll... thirty is the goal, Croaks for Sydney ten. Heard you mention that. Yeah, look, that. I, I yeah, I, I reckon I can't see myself going much faster than thirty thirty. I just don't think I've got the sustained low three minute Ks in me. It's a real fine line for me. I think if I if I dip under three minute Ks for too long, I'm I just don't have that tolerance for it. Um, just based on the training that I'm doing and and how comfortable i feel at three minute k so it's a real small window there of like low three minutes to like three like 302 to 305 sort of thing that's probably my range um so if i ran 30 30 i'd be pretty happy um 30 30 to 30 45 30 50 um i'd be content um i'd be disappointed if i ran slower than 31 30 closed out the long run too how about this brady Mm. Last hill, 32k mark, 17 meters of climbing, which is what you get in your entire 30k run. Mm. He's he's run that in 350. He's a fit that's man. That's going up a that's going up a fucking big hill right there. Yeah, he's a fit man. Mm. This guy on him. Gap was, pace, that's 320. But if but if you look, moves from 25k to that point, it's pretty much downhill. So I've had like. 7k of of uh not having to work real hard um yeah but, but for, that's because you climbed it beforehand you yeah. climb the hill you go down the hill this was on the way back up the other hill but i guess this is the, back to that conversation where like it's, it's made me realize that like i, I don't know like, there's no point me focusing on any shorter stuff like you know my strength is this longer stuff so i just need to keep like stay in one piece but almost increase my mileage again i reckon like while my body is good uh, like i want to get back to running 160 the old 170k week and that's that's the way i'm going to get back to breaking 220 for the marathon i reckon yeah i'm going to be the i'm going to be the like the voice on your shoulder saying that you don't need to be running 350 uphill at the end of 32k after a time trial that's just that's me worrying about you Mm. That's me just say, like say being on your shoulder at the 32k yeah. mark, going, hey, maybe I should just go up at four minutes a k, and that will still be the equivalent of 340s. Well, in, in the super blast moose, that is the equivalent of four minute k's. <laughs> There's no plate there. We know this. We know it doesn't work. No yeah. plate. No no cheating. Anyway, as I said last week, it's um. Yeah, like absolutely loving my running at the moment. It helps when your body's, you know, there's no niggles and I feel like I'm moving really well. So I hope, hope it continues. Um, but, yeah, like the next two weeks, I've got like a pretty solid session tomorrow and then after that, it all pretty much just shuts down. Cool. People up and out. It's yep. good to see. Uh, Moose, you got 15 minutes until Andy joins us. Do you reckon you can fit your week into that time? Easy. Yep, easy. Monday... 40 in the morning, and then ran in the Arvo, another 40-something, 40-odd. That was in the evening, actually. That was the night run. So it was a tester there. Uh, Got a couple of 
pictures of splits of, of some good marathoners. Both ran at Canberra. Both came home very strong or, or was super even. So Matt Blaschke and Josh Wilmot, that's uh, kudos there. Thought I'd start to push the mileage out a bit this week. So I got 70 minutes in instead of 60, and it was pretty hilly that Tuesday morning. I mean, yeah, that was Tuesday morning, was it? Shit. So that means that on Wednesday morning we did the workout. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me, but um, eight by three minutes. So we went to Deakin, and instead of going on the track, we were working out on the, the, the path around. There's like a cross-country trail around it. It's dirt. It's not real flat in some spots. Um, and then we did go through some grassy sections at some point. So I just wanted to get used to not being on flat ground and kind of just maybe even getting into some rhythm and judging what effort I need for the weekend. So eight by three minutes, um, the, re the recoveries were 30 seconds of walking and then we, we jogged for 30 seconds. There was a uh, group at the start, so Doki, Matt Gunther and myself, we were together. Then uh, it was just me and Matt ran the rest of the workout pretty much together after about the third rep. Bloody hard work, this. This this is something that I also haven't done, Croaks, is, is run these type of VO2 sessions. I've done heaps of threshold, heaps of sub-threshold stuff. And the first three reps, okay, not a problem. The fourth rep, we turned and went uphill for like the whole way. And uh, shit got real there. Like <laughs> lactate started flooding through me. And, and I wasn't great at getting rid of it. So the, 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 the last minute of each rep was pretty tough. Um, so if I just go to the splits, uh, the, the pace first one was 3.22, then 3.15. Then we had a downhill one was 2.59. Then we went uphill 3.11. That was the one that got me, I reckon. And then uphill again, 3.19 pace, and then downhill 3.07, uh, 3.13, and then three minutes to finish. But yeah, this was a this was a nasty little white workout. I think I really liked it. Felt like going over the hills is quite good. Is it got different muscle use, uh, a few corners as well. So not like a track workout at all. Uh, it was I ran with Matt, so it's good to have someone pushing you along too, because I'm just that little bit fitter than Ali at the moment. So every time we did a workout, I was comfortable in it. And then when you have someone next to you who's probably, well, turns out is very equal fitness, uh, you, you can get, like, you can get it into a, probably a, a little bit deeper stage of, of hurt. And there's a bit of mental stuff about that. Like, if every workout that you do, and this is one of the things around, like, the whole massive amounts of threshold training is that mentally you don't really get tested at all. It's not challenging. It's, so you have to race quite a bit, I think, in order for, for that to, to really work. For some people that need to, to get conditioned mentally to, to, um, to sort of put their, get themselves close to the flame. Um, and so I think adding these in, even for, for those like types of programs, adding in sessions like this once every maybe three or four weeks is a good idea. Yeah. The only other way I've found to get similar without going out and doing like what you did here or what I did last week was 
some like fartleks over like a hilly terrain because you do get to the back end of that sort of stuff and you're like, oh yeah, this is feeling the you know, feeling close to the back end of how a race feels, even though you're probably not running race pace just because of the terrain. Yeah. But yeah. but but, yeah. Ment- but mentally you're in the same point where it's like, man, I, I would give anything for a bit of flat ground, a bit find a bit of rhythm here, which then I think when you when it you get to a race and you are on the flat, you're like, oh, how easy is this? I'm not having to, you know, grind up a hill. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to Jowls and I don't think maybe only at like the 5K mark at Jowls was when I started to feel like it hurt more than this workout did. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. I thought it prepared me perfectly actually. Uh, so the next day, I, I actually ate terribly after that. This was a, a bit of a learning lesson for me as well is that that workout I do, do before work, have it, walk the dog, have a shower, get to work. And then I get to work and I'm like, fuck, I get into work straight away. I'm like, geez, I've got to get breakfast at some point. And then it gets busy and I don't eat properly. And I, I, I don't plan well. And so when it's, I actually have to go out and buy a lot of my food. So if we're busy or I'm on a roll with something, I don't go out and buy it. So I, I just end up not eating enough. And then, yeah, the, the next day I ran 10K in the morning and I was fucked. Like I actually had to stop at one point uh, and – and just pretty much compose myself like because I was I was so fatigued and I thought okay get home now like <laughs> you 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 know I, I knew what I felt was the problem I used to feel like this on a lot of my double runs when I was doing big big volume and this I got this on a 10k run the day after a, a single run day uh, purely because I wasn't eating enough did you eat that morning uh, so race? I, no Okay. No. Straight out. So, there. pretty much like had a coffee, and then my mindset was, oh, it's only forty-five minutes. I don't really need to eat before this, but I should have. Uh, so I ate a lot that day, and I actually felt a heap better in the afternoon, like way better. And I just did eight k. And so yeah, I did another seventy minutes the day after. So seventy for me was uh, is now my new sixty. Uh, the, that was two days before jails, so that was Thursday. Friday, just an hour, and I did some surges towards the back of it. Uh, and then jails, so um, oh, I'm missing a cool down, I reckon, maybe. Um, I It was a – well, I was leg five. Um, so oh, No, I was leg six, so the back end. So the way the race kind of played out is – Oh, it's a new course. So that's probably the main ta- the main thing that I didn't realize. I didn't know the course was different. Did you know the course was different before you got there? From when? Brady? From last year. From Yeah. There was a tiny bit of difference at the start there. Is that what you mean? Oh, uh, well, I didn't run there last year. Yeah, and you probably so, haven't done it for a couple of years, have you? Nah, so this was a big ch- – because I remember you used to go straight up that hill and keep going up and then go around that playground. Oh, mate, that's been like three or four years. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, I haven't done it this new course yet. So I, I was excited by that. I, I like this new course. I thought the new course was brilliant. I thought it felt a way more like a cross country like like a proper cross country course rather than running around a park. Um, like I didn't like the bushy section that the the old course used to have. And so this was much more just through the grass sections. And there was a, there's more ups and downs rather than one big long up and one big long down. So to me, this was a 
this was a really big improvement from AV, even though it might not have been a new course for a lot of people. <laughs> it was for me. Uh, so I got, I, it's funny because we were on the fifth leg as I was sort of jogging around warming up, Ballarat had come up on Geelong. So we were in, I think we were in seventh place. Uh, and so Ballarat had come up and was sitting right behind Matt Gunther on, um, on his whole first lap, like tucked in like a track race. And as they went past me waiting at the, uh, changeover point for to go onto their second lap. I looked at the kid running, and I'm like, "This bloke, this Ballarat guy looks fine. Like Gunther doesn't look bad, but this this guy's barely breathing." About 200 meters later, Gunther dagged him, and then finished 50 seconds, put 50 seconds into him in 3k. So pretty uh, pretty deceptive the um, impression that I was getting as they went past. And then Gunther also caught up Mentone and St. Stephen's on this leg. So I got the um, I got the changeover. I was in fifth place. And so I was G'ing myself up. Me and the Ballarat fella, Matty Caddison, I was standing there and I was putting the heater on him in the changeover zone. I, was, I told him, I said, mate, you better not fuck this up. Ballarat's <laughs> never come this close to Geelong in like five, five six years. And the, like you're going to cop this and everyone's watching you. You better not fuck it up. And he he was like, no, I'm right, I'm right, I'm I'm right. <laughs> it turns out that Gunther put 50 seconds in, so I'm the one that had to kind of uh, not fuck it up. And that was what I thought, like the first K in my head, I'm like, okay, you don't need to blast this first lap because if you do, you might blow up and then you've got three teams that are relatively close behind you. Uh, so, And I think that was really helped me how I ran. So... I ran pretty even, actually. I I thought I was really happy with my splits as I look, considering it's a hilly course. I ran 3 3 So that's pretty di- like that. That's me going out conservative as well. What was the variation uh, in the laps, Moose? Do you know, lap one, lap two. If you work that out. Yeah. Oh, I could probably tell. Yeah, I'll tell you. I think I went through in about. Um, if I, yeah, I went through in 9.32. So I reckon, what's that? I came home in 9.30, basically. 9.32, 9.30. Yeah, pretty good, right? Good pretty pretty well paced, that. Yep. That's, that's not bad. And that's a time trial because no one was there. Like, I, the, the guy in front of me, Box Hill, was 90 seconds in front. And Ballarat, he ran 30 seconds slower than me. No, so this in, can't like, be right. It says 307, 305, 307 for the first lap, then 311, 310, 305. Well, I'm just looking it's at slow, the... Um, I reckon. Oh, but your watch has measured it a bit long. I'm looking at the, the point where I went through. It says 932 at the point that I started at. Next year, hit, hit your lap button, can you? Get some real accurate yeah, I data. Was planning, I was planning on it, but I was just caught up, mate. Anyway, caught up racing. I was real happy, really happy with that. That's that was a good one for me, and I was pretty happy to see I was the second fastest time in the Geelong team as well. So you know, a little bit more power within the team, but Giles Park always sorts out who's got the power, who's got the say in the with the team dynamics for the rest of the year. So it goes Toby Mende first, me second, Gunther third, which was fun. Uh, Ge- Geelong ended up fifth, so a really good result for us because we. 
we had a skeleton of a team this week. We were lucky to scrape through. So fifth place with a skeleton team, that's that's good for us. You can talk about Bendigo, of course you will later. But um, ran 30K the next day through the bush, purposely had the brakes on for this one because I didn't want to um, stretch it out too much because I thought I would... I thought I might sneak this run in before the Doms got a bit nasty. 24K, we stopped. Dropped, no, 20K, we dropped a few fellas off at, at the car. And I was like, oh, yeah, the quads are a bit a bit banged up here. So I got the 10K in, finished 30K, 429s. And uh, I'm like, all right, get prepared to be sore. But I've actually woken up fine, so I'm pretty happy. 123K for the week. Uh and now this is the week now that I pick up the the mileage. Everything all going well. Do some more mileage this week. Good, good to see you're in action. Bring the team home. Should we yep. see if um, our friend Andy Buchanan's available? You did keep that under fifteen minutes. Well done. That's yeah. good moves. Easy slide through. Timed it perfectly. PB at Gels. PB on a weekly recap. That's not a PB at Charles, mate. Come on. <laughs> Come on, that, on. On that course, though, you haven't ran that one before. That's right. Yeah, 19 flat. Jeez, I was going for that sub-19 too. Did you look at your watch at all? Yeah, I had a few peaks down at the average pace. And I'm like, oh, okay, 3.6 will probably get me there. And then I think I finished in 3.7 maybe. That's good going. Good going. Where's Andy um, at then? We'll or do you want me to keep going? Because I'm happy to fucking keep going if you want me. <laughs> I don't think you could recap any longer. I'm trying to get him in now. He um he did have a bigger run on the weekend. He ran the Hamburg Marathon. He ran two hours, 10 minutes, and I've got to get these seconds right, 20 seconds 20. I think it was, yeah, for ninth overall in the race and equaled the ninth fastest Australian marathon of all time. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Andy Buchanan. Can you hear us? Yeah, hey guys, how are we going? Got you loud and clear. Yeah, we're going good, thanks Andy. Just sat through Moose recapping. I think he said Geelong comes seventh or eighth or something at um, Gels Park. Fifth, mate. Fifth, was it? Yeah, one of the longest recaps you'll ever hear. But congratulations on your run over in Hamburg. Probably just over 24 hours ago now. Yeah, pretty much. I'm a little bit out of whack at the moment with uh, all the different time zones and that and the travelling and all that. But um, yeah, I'm not surprised Moose is happy with fifth. That's a good result by Geelong. That'd be... um, I'd be stoked with that. Yeah, it, not bad. What did you come? Uh, I think we came third. So third no, no. What did you fifth. come? Oh, what did I come? I actually, I think I came eleventh. So yeah, I take fifth, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I heard you got carried though by your team. <laughs> uh, no, well done. I did. Um, I did enjoy having your tracker up, Andy, for the run, and um, pretty exciting, mate. Your run. Oh, thank you. Tell Thanks, us mate. all about Thanks. it, Andy. Yeah, no, How did it pan out? Yeah, so um, I suppose there was a pace group going 64-45, and I thought, yep, that's perfect for me. I was keen to take a few risks um, this time around because both marathons I've done, I've, I've felt really in control, which I know you need to, but I was just keen to kind of push the envelope a little bit and um, – yeah, pace group, two guys, They went. we went through in halfway in like 64-44. So it was like bang on, really good group. Um, and that's why I went to Hamburg because last year I just had such a good experience um, with a good group. And I think that's 
so important to not get lonely in that last uh, 10, 15, 20K. So, um, yeah, had a good group. I probably, I was expecting it to feel a little bit easier. I think just after having ran two, you kind of, your mind starts to think, oh, yeah, I've done two of these. Um, It's going to get easier each time, but it definitely didn't. And the body probably felt like my left calf started to hurt around the 27th K, which I've never had any of that in my first two. Like I've just had more of like an overall fatigue. Um, But thankfully that just kind of lingered. It didn't get any worse. Um, So, yeah, I felt pretty good throughout. Um, You know what it's like. You go through good patches and bad patches and it's just – it's just making sure you don't get too excited on those good patches and making sure you don't get too down in those bad patches. Um, did did so. you have a did you have a plan or did you have a pack that you really wanted to stay with? And, and the guy, did you know who was in the pack, like other people? Yeah, so my roommate, uh, a guy from Portugal, uh, he actually finished, I think he finished about six seconds ahead of me. We ran the whole way together, which was oh. awesome. Um, and like it was... It was so cool because we got to know each other like you're rooming with this person. So you get to know them. And then you you know what it's like, those bonds that you create during a marathon when you do it with someone. Like it's just – it's like you've known them for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really cool. And we had – it was funny. We had these two pacemakers, a, um, a guy from Europe and a guy from Kenya. And the guy from Europe was always going to drop out at 30. And I was hoping the guy from – Kenya might just kind of keep going as sometimes they do. They're just like, oh, it's easy to, easier to finish kind of thing than wait for a van. And the guy, the European guy said, oh, I'm going to drop out at 30 to this African guy. And I think he was like just giving him a bit of warning. And then he dropped out at 30 and the African guy and then the, the European guy was like, oh, shit, I'll, I'll go on a little bit more. Um, so he dropped out at 32. But then myself and this Portuguese guy, we just – he was, he was a lot stronger than me in the last 10K and he probably led maybe 70% of the time um, and I did a little bit of leading and it was um, it was just so good to have someone there and his coach was there on the bike and he was kind of just talking to him in Portuguese and he was talking to me and I had no idea what was happening but it was it was a good vibe. So I was, yeah, I was really happy. That was my, that was my plan to go with that group um, and it just, I was, to be honest, I was probably... I was thinking, oh, is it a little bit too fast? But I was like, oh, I'll I'll reassess 5K in. Like I'm normally pretty good at judging that kind of stuff. And if anything, I'm a little bit more sensible than aggressive um, during a race. And I thought I'll just see how those first few K play out. But I actually, I looked at my watch only when I hit lap at 5K, 10K, 15K, 20K. And I don't think I looked till about 20, 25 or 26K and, um, yeah, I felt I knew we were on pace at halfway and I was like, this is a good group. Let's just kind of keep going. And then you get to 30K and you're like, all right, this is where the this is where the race starts. So, yeah. Hey, um, Andy, first, congratulations. It's uh, good to see you knock a few big names off the all-time list. Um, but my question is, what at what point in your training did you think you were capable of running 210 and – what has changed in your training from the last two marathons to this one? Yeah, thanks, Crokes. Um, it's I actually I hadn't looked at that all-time list until a few people started sending me a message saying, "Oh, you're ninth row, rah," and it's like it's a little bit of like pinch yourself moment because 
like I thought I could run 210, but, but you know how before a race you just you always dream big and you think of the best scenario and you tell yourself, yeah, I can run these times, but it's another thing actually doing it on the day. So I still like I still don't see myself in that elite company um, when you look at that all-time list and it's like I think they'll take a little bit to sink in and it's it is quite special because like we've got a lot of good marathoners um, in Australia and it, it's good to see that I think like credit to Brett because he's just he's kind of paving the way at the moment and I think making it a little bit more uh, I don't know like guys like me are thinking hey no nah, we could probably have a crack at doing this so um, yeah, really stoked to run it. I I only found out the pace groups probably three or four weeks ago. So I knew I was in good shape, but I was never really, like during my training, I never specifically target a certain pace. I just kind of really go off effort. And because a lot of my training's by myself, um, I really just stick to that and don't get too caught up on what my watch is telling me. So I, it's not like I planned 12 weeks ago all right, I'm going to try and run 2.10.20. Like that was never the plan. And it was more so just once I found out the pace groups um, and I heard it was 3.04, 3.05 kind of pace. We did a few little marathon sessions at that pace in the last few weeks. And I was like, yeah, I think that's – I probably got enough uh, confidence through them to think I could at least have a crack at it. Um, but, yeah, training hasn't really changed that much. Um, Scott's got a pretty – uh, rigid kind of training program that's kind of worked really well for him, worked well for other marathoners and worked well for me in the past. So, um, and there was a few sessions that I did that I did last time and I was uh, a little bit quicker. So I thought I'm a little bit fitter. I knew World Cross has, was really like, it was actually kind of perfect training for me. And I really only had about eight weeks of marathon training, which isn't that much, but I think because I run 30, like two and a half hours every Sunday, I have pretty big high mileage. That's all I need. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing changed dramatically. And it's not like I sat down ages ago and thought, all right, I want to try and run this time. How am I going to get there? It was just more so just kind of part of the process. Andy, 40 seconds off the qualifying time for the world champs and Olympics, I think it is. Um, do you know how many like points and stuff or where does this put you on the rankings to try to get in that way? Yeah. So it's, it's 40 seconds off world champs, but it's a fair way off Olympics. Cause that's two Oh, two Oh eight 20. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I think, I don't know. I had a, I had a very quick chat with Nick, uh, last night and, he reckons I'll be okay for world champs. Um, so I just got to, like, I really want to try to make Paris. Like, I'm really, really keen to try to go to the Olympics. And it's, I, I don't know if I'll do, like, if I get selected, if I'll do world champs or do I try to chase a better, faster marathon. Um, but then also you look at world champs, if that's not that well-supported, top 10 are guaranteed a spot to the Olympics. So is that an easier way? So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know. I don't want to get too caught up in that stuff just yet because you spend, you spend eight or 10 weeks working pretty hard for something. And I think you've got to try to enjoy the moment. That's probably one thing I learned a bit last year. Um, enjoy the moment and just chill for a week or two and then kind of start thinking what's next. 
Well, this question's kind of heading in that direction, so you can you can just not answer it. But like, would you look to maybe take running more seriously? Like, you pretty much work full time with your teaching load and your um, your coaching run the PB coaching load. Like, would you potentially look to limit those things so you can live more like a professional athlete? Or is there any chat with like Nick Bedell about like potential contracts or sponsors? Yeah, I would love to. Um... But I suppose you've you've got to make money somehow. Um, so I like I I think I've got an okay balance at the moment. But I know comparing myself to a lot of other people around that are running two ten, like there's not many guys that are running that that work full time. So like I'd love to obviously focus more on running, but um, I think going forward I will try to work less and run more. Um, but I'm I'm not sure, and I haven't had those chats with Nick yet. Like it's. It's only um, a day since I ran that time, so I'm not expecting um, anything to come through today or anything like that. But hopefully this is a, a step in the right direction, hopefully. Yeah. Any more questions for him, boys? Mm, which was your most favourite session during the block? I'm just scrolling through your uh, Strava here at the moment. I saw Spedding Fartlek. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what was the one that gave you the most confidence? Oh, there's a there's a few different ones. So I really like that spedding fight leg, but it doesn't it doesn't really give me that much confidence. I'm not sure why. I think I get through it quite easily. Um, probably the the hardest one and the one that I if I would be my go to is I, I do a 16k at a kind of half marathon effort. So it's nearly it's nearly like a, a race kind of effort. So I did that probably four weeks ago. Um, and I, I can't remember what I ran off the top of my head. Um, but I, I know I ran pretty fast. It might've been like three Oh twos for 16 K. Um, and I felt in control. So that's something that gave me a fair bit of confidence. Um, and then there's a few other times where I do, I think there's one time where I did 16 K and then had a bit of a rest and then did four K at like two fifty sixes or something like that. So um, those those bigger sessions are what I take a fair bit of confidence from, and it's more so how I feel during them than rather just the pace because you can be running three hundred two and it feel easy, or you can run three hundred two and it feels very hard. So it's just um, yeah, I don't know, but I don't I don't have a set a set session that really boosts my confidence. It's more so uh, consistently good. Uh, Friday sessions and then good long runs and just week on week on week kind of thing. That's what I'm also get my my confidence from rather than one big session. Yeah, it's good. good um, good example you are of someone who is isn't like a superstar junior or anything like that, but um, has just stuck at it and stuck at it and now is like ninth fastest Australian ever. Mm. And, and it's like I love seeing that, and it's yeah. I, I think it it shows a lot. Like a lot of our current batch are like that of of marathoners. Mm. Um, well, you, you and Ali in particular uh, seem to be like that. Uh, you speak on that a little bit. Yeah, it's something like because I coach at school and coach a fair bit of kid, a few kids in Bendigo, and they um I tell them like I never I never made it to nationals like with on the on the track until I was open age and I my very first nationals cross was when I was 18 um 
and they all they all get caught up with how they're going at 14 or 15 i'm like this honestly doesn't matter like it's don't stress and i think and that's it's it's not only the the kids i tell that to but the parents like they nearly they want their kids to do well and i understand that but it, it really doesn't matter and i think that's kind of um that flows through to the kids i coach but then also the older kids i coach like you use like matt buckler is a good example like he's been running since he was in high school but he's got so much room to improve now as a 20 year old which is what you want rather than maxing out at 16 17 and then not having any wiggle room and i still feel like like even though i'm 32 now i feel like i've still got so many years of running in me and i know i can continue to improve because my training age is so much lower than the normal 32 year old so i think it's um i know hopefully we're changing it because you see you see some of these juniors and you just really worry and you just think, shit, how are they, like, who really cares what they're doing at under 20? Like, it doesn't matter if you win under 20 nationals. It's try to make an open team. That's, in my opinion, that's what really matters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, and I think so many people are on that. Like, the fact people are celebrating, like, 12-year-old 5K world records is just oh. stupid, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, so it's yeah, but that's that's all right. Everyone can do what they wish, um, and we'll just get grumpy about it on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven years ago, like I was in Ballarat, we were looking at Bendigo, and I actually had Jamie Cook as a better runner than you back then, and I I I'd predicted him as a better marathoner. Andy was like the seventh best runner in Bendigo back when I was living there. That's what I mean. He used that's to smoke him up all the time. Imagine how, how I feel about this. Look like this. What? <laughs> just consistent. Just running more, you reckon? You should say he works hard, Moose. And that's the thing about Andy. A lot of people don't realise, like, Saturday morning, he was submitting our Bendigo Bats cross-country team to, like, Athletes Victoria. Like, he works hard behind the scenes, works hard his job. You know, just a common man out there putting in the work, and now he gets the good results. Tradey singlet man, stuff. Man of the people. I'm definitely not wearing a tradie singlet. Um, but no, I like, and, and Brady does talk a lot of shit on this podcast, but he is being 100% legitimate there. When when we were running around Bendigo like eight, 10 years ago, Brady would towel me up. Um, and I think it's just, I like, I honestly, I started training when I was 18. And then I enjoyed my uni life, which I don't have any regrets about. And then finally found Scott. And then it's just progressed from there. But even after two or three years of, of Scott coaching me, I wasn't a superstar. Um, and, yeah, you'll probably roll in me at XCR, which is funny to think, Moose. Um, and if, I actually don't think, I think so at all. <laughs> oh, can't, can't remember I beating you ever. I definitely know Croaks rolled me at, uh, at Sydney 10. Oh, mate, brings once. up every week. Hey, sure did. You I think Brady was in that race as well. Yeah, he brings it up all the time, Andy. <laughs> Did you hear Moose's prediction for you last week? He had you down for two fifteen, a bit of a blow up, I think. Really, I didn't. I didn't hear that. So um, you've got to have a bad one soon. Well, he's three it's, from three it's now. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. You can't just roll along, but pull him out your ass everywhere, <laughs> every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not like I still respect the marathon, but I'm not scared of it. Um, and this is, I remember talking to you and we've spoken about this a few times in this where I said to you, I just wanted to get one on the board and, and learn the marathon. And I, I feel like I've, I've done that. And I'm, this was like, I was really happy with this, but I was really, really keen to run sub two ten. Um, and I think 
I I really want to go to a Valencia or somewhere like that because this course like really isn't that fast. And a few guys that have ran this Hamburg and Valencia, they say, you know what it's like, they pull out numbers, but you just never know. But I'm, I think there is more there. And I think the marathon, I'm just so suited to it because I can consistently knock out big K's. I'm, um, I'm pretty good over hills, like cross country, that kind of stuff. So I think I'm really suited to it. And I kind of wish I, I started a few years earlier, maybe, but I know like I planned that, but with COVID, that kind yeah. of screwed yeah. things up a little bit. But um, yeah, so, no, I'm, I'm confident and, there's a little bit more there. But you, So you're on the bus to the start line in the morning. In your head, like honestly, are you thinking today I'm going under 210? Yeah, honestly, that's what I, that's what I thought. Um, and I think like because I was staying with Brett here in uh, Teddington for probably two weeks and like that, that confidence and that full-time athlete like rubs it off on you. And it's just like like when you're living with a guy that's ran what two oh seven, like you just start to like let down those those uh like those gates that you naturally set up kind of thing. And I honestly like honestly I was a little bit disappointed, but then I was like, No, hang on, it's a two minute PB. Don't be stupid. But I honestly thought I could run two oh nine fifty something. Like I made a bet with Ali that if I ran sub 210, I had to go into London last night, join them at the hotel and, and have some beers. And I honestly thought that's what I'd be doing last night. So, um, mm. but yeah, bloody I think close. Your uh, yeah. tracker was showing you up until 40K. Your tracker had you on it, basically. Yeah, I, I think it's if those last like 5 or 10K, like I find the hardest part is once you get to 40K, you're okay because you're like 2K, that's just six minutes or however whatever pace you're running of hard work but that 35 to 40k is so hard and you feel like you're running faster but you're actually running you're dropping like just two or three seconds and that every k really really hurts you and like i think my slowest k was uh like a 313 which was at 30 38th or 39th um and that just it's really hard to keep on it um so yeah a little I'm, like i'm honestly a little bit disappointed but i know that it's it's i think it's there next time if i'm if i'm in a if i'm in a quicker race so what did you do last night andy instead of celebrating with ali uh so i i was in hamburg for a little bit had to fly back to london at about six o'clock so i had had a few beers in the hotel which was good and then had a few beers at the airport um with a swedish guy that i've um i met last year and seen him a few times got back into teddington got to the house and then um treated myself to some nando's so just walked up and and sat down at nando's and enjoyed a a nice uh a nice chicken burger there the nando's over here hits differently it's so much better than nando's in australia so by yourself yeah though. nothing yeah by myself Remember the yeah. time we had, we had Jack on when he broke yeah. the Australian 10K record? He was just walking around the streets by himself as well. Yeah, well, because like, like Nick, Ali and Brett, they, they were all in the race hotel in at London and like it's probably an hour's train ride and I was just like you, you, you have all these grand plans and then the day kind of wears on you and your legs are getting sore and sore and you're just like, oh, I, just, I just want some food and I just want to go to bed. So, um but nah, it was all right. I actually big shout out to Courtney Carter. He's a Hamburg local um, these days, and 
I had made some plans to catch up with him, but my I had to move my flight a bit earlier, so I, I couldn't catch up with him. But I saw him about five times on the course, and he's a massive help because you over there. You it's it's easy to forget like all those things that mean a lot to you um, in people back home, that kind of stuff. Because you're in a foreign country, they're all speaking German. No one's cheering for you. You're completely by yourself, and to hear that Aussie accent, like it just it means so much. So big shout out to Courtney because he's he's um he's really helped me the last two years. So I'm really I really owe him a beer. So hopefully next time I can catch up with him. Yep, sent us through some photos as well. Courtney did Patreon supporter, long time listener, good bloke. Mm. Andy, uh, back now tomorrow when you fly home, back to work. Yeah, flying home this afternoon. So I arrive in Melbourne at midnight on Tuesday, and then yeah, back to work Wednesday morning. So. Um, should we good? Blue collar. All right, mate. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, Moose, hopefully we'll oh, see him you at Albert Park in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? You reckon? That'd be good. I'm not hoping that. I'm hoping that. I don't that. need him there. Just a we little, don't need him there at all. Maybe a little tempo in 30-30. Get some points. Yeah, hopefully I can get into the top. Hopefully I can get into the top team. Oh, yeah. We'll you're see. shit. Your team's shit now. <laughs> no <laughs> problem, <laughs> I'll be recapping my week. That's how long Moose went for. I haven't even got to my week yet, Andy. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Seventh is like a celebration down there in Geelong. Oh, they're up and about with their ninth position. The oh, bats. Ninth. General vibe around Giles Park is the, the bats are a very unlikable team right now. <laughs> it's because we're the best. You're doing your hardest to, to make yourself unlikable. People don't like the best. <laughs> Anyway, Andy, we'll let you go. Safe travels back, and nah, thanks, thanks again guys. for your time. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you later. Thanks, Andy. See you, Bye. Mate. Congrats again. Bye. I'm whistling through this week, fellas, because I won't actually get to London Marathon. I jogged easy Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday I did a workout. I did 4 by 3 k sat around like 3.17 pace, off two minutes jog. Nothing special. Just trying to like do some longer kind of workouts to um, not stir up this this hamstring. And I find like that 315 to 320 pace is a pace I can handle pretty well and recover well off the next day. So I did that um, yeah, midweek on the Wednesday, jogged 15K on Thursday and then 7K in the afternoon, did 10K on Friday. And then like Moose, I was at the Gels Park Relays on Saturday, I actually stayed in Bendigo Friday night to make the drive a bit shorter. I ran the league four of six, um, so a bit messy. Like you're just just lapping people, heaps of bodies out there in the middle there. We were tied for third when I took over, so it was me and Box Hill changing together. And then I just like I just love Gels Park. Like I just love the course. I just think it's a really it's challenging, but at the same time, it's pretty easy because there's no really big hills. And I feel like every time you go up a bit of a hill, you get a nice kind of downhill afterwards. Um, pretty technical, though. There's some tight turns in there. I was a bit concerned going into this just because I like haven't really done a lot of intensity probably for the last month, I think. It's probably a good estimate. Probably been jogging a lot of like Ks and some good long runs but not a lot of uh, workouts. So I was kind of thinking 1930, 20 minutes might have been kind of what I ran, but I really wanted to um, just make sure I didn't go silly early and just kind of almost do the first lap comfortable 
and then use the energy he got left in that second lap. Um, I was pretty even. I ran the first lap in 9.22 and then 9.18 for the second one. Uh, 18.41 was my official time, which was only 15 seconds slower than last year. I ran 18.26 last year and was running pretty well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That surprised me quite a bit, to be honest. I didn't think I was in that Wasn't kind of shape. Wasn't it wet last year, though? No, it rained at the last leg last year. It came in really late. But, yeah, when I ran last year, it wasn't. I ran second last year. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something in. I guess there is. Like, just the strength work. It's still a 6K cross-country race. So, although, like, the fast kids were still running quick there, I've still been averaging, like, 140, 150Ks, and that's still going to help you um, when you get on a cross-country course. So, that was good. Kept the bats in third. I think I put a minute into the Box Hill guy, and then we, um, yeah, kind of sat there, get the bronze medal. You run even, too? Yeah, four seconds difference, Moose. Nine twenty-two, nine eighteen. I felt great the whole. I was like, this is. It felt felt yeah. like it felt very similar to what that um, golden ticket race felt like at Bathurst, where I was kind of like very conservative early, and I just had fun like backing it up on the second part of the course. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. So maybe the fitness hasn't taken the hit that I um yeah thought it had. Then I was tired though on Sunday. I was stiff, sore. Um, had a blister. How long though? How long is that trip, right? Yeah. Six hours or something. Yeah. We left on, we left at 8.30 from Bendigo on Saturday morning and I got home at 7.30 p.m. back to Moema Saturday night. So like an 11 hour day. So I just intentionally just said, I'm just doing two hours, average 421s. I was actually feeling okay, but I'm like, there's more risk than reward here. I haven't done any intense stuff. I've jumped in a pair of spikes. I've sat in the car for like six, seven hours let's not get greedy here and, and do a 35, 36K kind of long run. So my week was 150. Um, good. Think the having issues gone. Good race. Build from there. Let's thank some Patreon supporters, eh? Do it. Who you got, Chris? Right. Uh, I've got Andrew Gattenby. Uh, Andrew's from Canberra. He's run 16.14 for 5K, which was at the 2021 Runner Shop 5K and 77 minutes at the 2021 Canberra Half. Uh, but he predominantly focuses on hilly trail races. Uh, he had a good year last year, finishing second at the UTA Cozzy 27, fourth at the UTA 50K behind Benny Saint, second at the Buffalo Stampede 20K, and fourth at the Aussie Mountain Running Champs. Um, yeah, we actually did a session with him the week after Bathurst. Uh, he was up there, actually, Bathurst. Brady did the long run with us yep. and after the golden ticket. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was training for six-foot track but got uh, got injured a couple of weeks out. So um, thanks for your support, Andrew. Good on you, Andrew. Who you got, Moose? Um, Mark Grennan. He is a member of the Second Captain's Patreon page. He may have run 323 at the 2012 Dublin Marathon. Other than that, we've got nothing. Okay. Gee, that's going back. You've gone – they even have the internet back then? Yeah, well, struggling to get anything on Mark. Yeah, what's the second captains? Don't know. Is that I like just, a um, cricket podcast or something? It's just when you're on uh, when you're on Patreon and you click on their profile, it tells you which other Patreon pages they support. Oh. Mm. Does it? Brady will do the do a bit of research on that, Brady. Okay, yeah. Second captains. Well, no, I'm going to read this out. Robert North, I'm thanking you from Crow's Nest, New South Wales. That's on the other side of the Harbour Bridge, isn't it, Croaks? Crow's Nest, yeah, yeah. just North Sydney, yeah. Yep. Uh, Formula One fan, by the looks of it, as he went to the Singapore GP. 
does a lot of sessions at Gore Hill Park, which is a nice synthetic oval. Very popular running location in Sydney, I think. See this on Instagram all the time. They wear spikes on that, or they just go like racing flats, super shoes. Yeah, I think some people. I think you can wear spikes on it. Can you? Wouldn't Never it? heard of this place. It's like yeah, you wouldn't. Tom DeCano's always there. It's like a perfect like circle. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, they always bang and workouts and like yeah sessions around there. Um, couldn't find many results on him or any results actually, but we think he runs about fifty k a week. So thanks, Rob, for your support on Patreon. Mark, Andrew, all the other legendary Patreon supporters over there. Uh, Keep the show alive each week. We did a monthly episode with Toby and Christian last week. It was a long one as well. went for about 90 minutes. Road to London season finale is coming up. I don't know when. I'm sure Nick, Ali, and Sinead have got a a time teed up for this week. So that's going to be interesting to hear their recaps of the London Marathon. And um, yeah, you just help us keep the lights on here at the Inside Run Podcast, make it possible for the show to come out each and every week. Let's hear from second captains. It's I think it's a football podcast. AFL so- soccer. Sharing sharing the love around, isn't he? Different mm. couple of podcasts. Good on you, Mark. This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by Asics. Super Blast on, Super Blast off with the Asics Super Blast shoe. Super Bounty FF Blast Turbo Cushioning on a layer of FF Blast Plus foam for a super energetic ride. Super lightweight FF Blast Turbo Cushioning, which is ASICS's lightest foam yet. Super stacked with ASICS's highest midsole ever, offering a standout running experience and head-turning aesthetics. Visit asics.com.au or your specialty running store to grab your pair today. Let's go to London Marathon, Moose. You would have been sitting back, I'm sure, tracking alley. Do you get nervous with these kind of things happening on the other side of the world? All, all kind of power's gone from you, I guess. Everything's out of your control. Watch it unfold. Yeah. I wasn't nervous, but I do feel helpless, that's for sure. Mm. Like, especially when things start going poorly, it, you you feel I – feel, I got really frustrated and um, not at Ali or anything. I just got frustrated that, uh, like, you can't do anything. You're literally sitting there and everything's out of your control, like you said, but you can't help in any way. And so I just I started getting pissed off at, at little things around me, um, but yeah, the the race it was, I mean, because we couldn't see Ali at all on the footage, you could actually watch the race, and um, and it was a good one. So in the men's first, we saw the second fastest marathon ever. It was 16 seconds off the world record. Calvin Kipton, the winner at Valencia, he ran. 201.25 and he's done that off check these splits out 61.40 for the first half into a 59.45 second half <laughs> uh, and this, it was it was quite remarkable where he made his move so the bloke's gone through an aid station and I don't know what distance it was at but he's basically picked up his drink and he, he actually missed his drink I, I remember now because he was going to, he went for his drink, missed it. And his move was obviously like his planned move was to go then. And he, he's put in a surge on Jeffrey Kemwawa, who was in second. And he would have run, I reckon about a 62 second, 400 there, maybe even quicker because he's, he hasn't just like gradually increased the pace and sort of just drop, dropped them um, slightly. He's, he's sprinted off the front and he held it for about five minutes or so. And then you think, okay, 
like he has to slow down now. Ken Wall will come back gradually. Like you can't run that type of effort and just keep going. But turns out when you're uh, Calvin Kipton, you can do that because he's run 59.45 at the second half by like, himself. I think it was 13.40, that 5K split. And then like yeah, 20, 28.40-ish, 28.50-ish maybe for the 10K, 30 to 40. But you're right. He looked, 27. Sorry, 27. He looked unsteady. Yeah. He was going that fast. It looked like he was going to like fall over going around the corners. Like it looked unsafe. The, the move that you saw was like someone kicking in a 1,500-meter yeah. race with, yeah. with 200 to go. Against amazing athletes too. He made them look like they were like, you know, C-grade Vic Miles guys. Yeah. It, it didn't look um, it, it didn't look real, to be honest. Whereas I was watching it, I'm like, this is supposed to be a fucking marathon. You don't do this in a marathon. This is not how we know the marathon to be. You can't run like that in a marathon. Like, it's like when we saw Sammy Wanjiru do it in um, Beijing, and everyone's looking at it, going, "What's, what's this guy doing? Like, this isn't how you run marathons. You don't start surging at 10k in, turn it into like a fartlek. You, you, everyone sits, and then you gradually increase the pace, and then whoever lasts lasts." You don't do this weird shit. <laughs> it's just like he's t- turned marathon on its head, this bloke. Because he did the same thing in Valencia, except he ran the second half there in like 60-11. Yeah. So he knows, knows how to negative split. Doesn't he what? And he's, not, he's got no problem sticking with the pack early either. Man knows how to win a race. And not only just win a race, but he's the second. You can't even say that because he's the second fastest guy ever in the world. And, so, it's sec- and it's his second marathon. Oh, incredible. He's only 23 or something too, isn't he? Yeah, right. I think so. Yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. beat Jeffrey Ken Warwar, who we know him, 204.23, and Tamarat Toller, who, who was probably my, like outside of Jeffrey, who's one of my favourites. Toller was the guy I thought was going to win, 204.59. Um, we had Brett out there. So Brett was seventh in 210.19. Um so I, I thought that he was on, he was going to go 62.30 pace, but he's gone through the half in 63.38 and he's come home in 66.41. So not an ideal race for Brett. Uh, he did have a crack at it. Like he's gone out at um, Australian record pace there and he's, uh, he's come home slower. Uh, he did beat Mo Farah. So he beat him by what, nine seconds, that that would have been nice for him. And he would have got some good love on the way with, with Moa out there, like being relatively close to him because the crowds would have been up and about. The cameras, a lot of camera time on Mo. Uh, he was he ran 2.10.28. Do you reckon it's hard for Brett now, given like he's got the Aussie record, um, he's got an Olympic qualifier. It's almost like, well, why not? Have, you know, he's probably got a licence now to have a bit of a crack. But he always did have a crack anyway. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember him not having a crack. Can yeah, you... but, I guess it's, but I guess it's gone now, as you said. Like, he was planning on going, what was it, 62-something? Like, well, which, I, yeah, even, thought, ba- even yeah. back then, like, he wouldn't have gone that quick. Um, but, yeah, now it's like this new level of, like, hey, well, I've got the Aussie record at 207. I really want to run, like, 205, 206, which means, like, you've got to be going through in, you know, 62 high to 63. Yeah, yeah. Yep, uh, it is. It's going to be tough for him to find the right races, isn't it? Like where he has 
10 to 15 guys around him, not two or three. It's... And that's the problem with London because London love just getting the big names. And 100%. after that, it drops off pretty quick. It, it is for sure. And, um, and that's what happened with, with Ali in a big way. Uh, so the women's race, um, it was a pretty crazy event. I, like, I actually loved watching this. I thought this is one of the funnest races I've watched in ages. But Sifan Hassan, who was running in her first marathon, and she's been around a long time now, and she's always done things a bit differently, Sifan, like hanging out the back of of 1500s and 5Ks, like way at the back and then rolling everyone on the last lap. Uh, she's run 218.33, which isn't the crazy thing about this, is that um, I was going through the results before and at, uh, at the 25K mark, um, Sifan was, was 30 or 28 seconds behind the leader. Uh, and she, did, she stopped and stretched. It looked like she had some sort of cramp or something or an injury she stopped and stretched, did like a series of stretches, and the, and, and the girls ran off on her. And so she ran solo for quite a way until she caught back up at around probably about like 38, 40K, I think it was. So at 40K, Sifan was in the group. At 35K, she was 15 seconds down. So, so she's between 35 and 40, she's caught up 15 seconds um, and she stopped at like 18, 19K. She stopped like yeah. very early. And she like looked bad. She had a grimace on her face. Like she stopped twice to stretch. I put out our message group that she's gone. I think the commentators had like called her, called it like a bad day for her. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. It did look bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, she's come up, she's come up to 40K drink station and She's basically just got onto the group at this stage. They go around a corner. There's a drink on the right-hand side of the road. The corner veers left, though, and so only one of the girls heads heads out there. Sifan kind of half sees her, considers going for the drink, doesn't, keeps going forward and thinks, shit, I better get that drink. Turns around, runs backward to the tape. This is, this is at the 40K mark of the London Marathon, runs backwards and picks up her drink and then within 20 seconds has run back onto the pack looking as calm as ever and goes to the the, the chick beside her, um, yeah, you, you allow, or whatever, I can't pronounce yeah, it, yeah. You, you allow, um, and offers her a drink. Yeah, before she even takes one. Just like, I just went there to get it just for you. Oh, and this girl is like, who the fuck is this next to me doing this to me? I could not. I, I just burst out laughing when she did that. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. I'm what like, a, she's what a, yeah, a flex. That's she's a massive winning this flex. race easily right now. <laughs> At that point, I said to Bree, I'm like, she is going to fucking brain these chicks <laughs> in the last hundred meters. <laughs> and then she just like wanders around, goes back of the pack, front of the pack, side of the pack, and it gets to like a 400 to go. She's still at the back. And then she, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. Gets to 200 to go. Oh, I better get moving now. 100 to go. She's put like 10, 20 meters on him. And by the finish, she, she wins easy. And uh, what a, what a character she is. I love it. I love her. 
she's what we need in, in marathoning, I reckon. It literally looked like a track race the last 200 metres from her. She was so yeah. high on her toes, like just saluting the crowd. Like, yeah, she went five seconds into second in like, yeah, 50 metres. And then she'd be sitting there thinking, how easy is this marathon thing? That's what she oh, said yeah. in her interview afterwards. She's like, oh, oh really? I was waiting for it to get hard. It never got hard. And then, then I saw the finish line and thought, oh, is that where the finish line is? Okay, I'll just kick it home. Like, oh. yeah. Just, and she's oh. been, um, oh, sorry. She's been, training through, she's been training through Ramadan. Yeah, I was about to so, say that. So she, a lot of her runs, like she said, I think her longest run was like 41K or something. But she's doing it, and she's not allowed, like, not allowed to drink any water or anything like that. So Jesus. it it almost made her tougher in a way, or, or it was almost like for the marathon. Oh, this is this is a bonus. They get to actually take on some nutrition during the race, which I haven't been able to do in a lot of my training runs. That's wow. pretty um yeah. pretty incredible when you think what. Yeah, I think that's a month, and it and only just finished like the, the week of the race. So you get a good carb load going then. Yeah, like the, all that. Um, sorry. Get you on. Oh yeah, well you're not allowed to eat during the um during the sunlight hours, are you? Yeah. No, during so, Ramadan. So if you if you were factoring your training, like you'd basically be doing everything just before it gets dark, wouldn't you? So you can then like finish your session and then yeah. refuel. Well you could do long runs and, and eat during the run while you're uh training in the dark maybe, but yeah. I'm doubting they're doing that. Well, because the the flip side is, if you train then late in the afternoon, you've basically fu- like you're doing that completely fasted because you've eaten nothing all day. Yeah, that's true. So it doesn't matter which way you do it; it's going to be tough. Is yeah. she the greatest female distance runner of all time? Has to be, mm. doesn't she? Like if you look at her range, see like one fifty six for eight hundred. She was a fifteen hundred meter world champ, mile world record holder, European three k record holder. 5K Olympic champ and 10K Olympic champ. Half marathon, she's got the European record, and now she's won the marathon at London against a stacked field. She's in the conversation, but I reckon she's not done yet. Who who else has got that range and, like, the accolades? Yeah, you're probably just thinking, like... Helen Beery? Yeah, someone who's won just, like... Not Helen Beery, but someone who's, who's... down there who's won multiple golds like tiranesh de barber was pretty damn good mm. like maybe not over the marathon like she, she like she still run 217.56 tiranesh de barber but she defended her olympic 10,000 meter gold medal in uh london so she won beijing and london she won the five and the ten in beijing um she won what one two three four five world championship gold medals um a heap of world cross country gold medals. Mm, so like true. she was, Had she was pretty about good. World cross. Yeah, put that in there. Mm. Yeah, it'd be good, good debate. Um, yeah, part of the debate though. Yeah, Ali's um, race moves thirteenth, two twenty nine thirty seven. Yeah, so um, didn't it's not exactly what she wanted, but it wasn't it. It wasn't a disaster either, and. And she, like, had a very hard day out there. So I was um, I was proud of her for getting it done because it would have been really easy just to pull out and it was real lonely for her out there. So she's in 13th place. Uh, like, let me just go to the results. She's in um, 13th place and, like, there's, there's one girl in front of her, Dom Scott, who's who she was pulling back at the end. 
and then there's there's a girl four minutes in front of her, and then there's five minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, and nine minutes. So she was on the start line with about I think she was like fifteen or sixteen ladies and then a bunch of pacemakers so there weren't like it looked like there was a much bigger pack of athletes than there was because of all the paces and and she was this is not normally like this at london london is normally filled with like qualify um potentials qualify potential athletes who want to go to london and get the time especially british girls and and you'll often find like big packs at the, the 226, 228, a lot of them trying to break 230. But this, but London's, it seems to be changing now. It seems like the the fields are all sub 220. And then a few of those British girls pull out and all of a sudden the back pace group is now 226. And that for me, like I, I chatted to Ali in, throughout the lead up, and um, I, I thought I thought this would have been a great race for her to go out at two twenty eight pace and get faster. Um, but the circumstances called for her to go out at two twenty six pace, but the paces fucked it, and they went that first five k. She was actually on two twenty four pace, and even I know it's downhill, but I, I don't care. Like. It's, you're still going too fast for what it is. So rather than being at 228 pace, like I want it, like I think that we it would have been the perfect spot for her. She's she's ended up at 224 pace for that first 5k, and uh, it, it, with her condition, like the virus, we try to be pretty positive through the final week, not talk about it too much. Um, but it was still there, and she's still sneezing and coughing. Like I was talked to her immediately after the race she just didn't stop coughing the whole time i was talking to her so they're not excuses but it's probably just like an explanation as to why i think 229 was actually a really strong run for her in the in the end uh, and i don't think london's the best place for an athlete of her caliber to go back to anymore i think she needs to go where there's male pacemakers or not pacemakers but when there's tons of males around so yeah at, at the males at london they go off only like a minute ahead, I think, of the um, of the mass field, and so like they drop back a little bit. They've got bloody five hundred people behind them. The ladies drop back a bit. They're on their own. They're just absolutely solo and exposed the whole way. Uh, it's just not the same. And if and, and I think like ladies trying to get qualifiers, they they're probably best served in male male races as well, or like mixed races. Um, mixed gender races so yeah she's still she had some high spirits at the end like she was she said she was really close to dnfing um so so as soon as she said that i'm like oh well well done get to the end still run to sub 230 you're only three minutes off your pb when you're sick and you're you're in like no man's land and um she'll come back strong at the end of the year and she'll she'll have a good one i reckon this was always just going to be a bit of a stepping stone race. That's how we played it out. And I think we got a little carried away through training, uh, a couple of workouts that she ran too fast, too hard, too hard. And we started to shift the goals from um, like a stepping stone marathon to all of a sudden, oh, let's have a, let's have a crack at it. 
uh, and a, a, like again, it's a bit of a track tra- trap. It's a bit easy to get sucked into. Um, yeah. And coming off World Fend- Cross, the success there as well, like that could also be a bad thing. But yeah, we got after that. Yeah, exactly. Got and it's different. It's really different. Like the. Mm. There was there was a few workouts where I'm running next to her, thinking this isn't marathon effort. Like I've I've spent a lot of time next to her training and on a bike, and I know her exertion levels. And and it, this is on me a little bit as a coach, not pulling her back enough, and and just letting her go probably too far, and not being forceful enough to say slow down. Like this is outside where I want you in terms of effort, and maybe that's me getting caught up in uh like the whole hype of of how good she went at world cross and um i mean i still think this the virus that she had for three to four weeks leading into the race like that's that played a massive part in her preparation like a massive part she she had shit training for a month because she was always sick and then even on race day she was sick so i don't know I don't know. I don't want to use. That's not an. She will hate me saying that as an excuse, but but I get to make excuses mm. if she's not. I get to ta- I get to tell the people because it's a legitimate thing. Going to be fascinating listening. Road to London midweek. Looking what are your What are your fellas' takes on that? On what the sickness? On her run. On her run. You listen to her prep every week. What do you think? I'm I'm interested in your feedback. Uh, well, it's hard. Like when you hear the numbers and stuff, you're obviously going to think she was going to be quicker than two twenty nine. But you just when you hear sickness, when it dragged on, and when I heard that she was on antibiotics, that was a concern. And I think I sent you a message. Was it Friday or Saturday? Just asking how she actually was, because I think that was going to have massive impacts on potentially what was going to happen in the race. But I think she mm. was fit. I think she's fitter than two twenty nine off her training. Yep. Okay. I mean. Yeah, I'm just here and I'm listening. Big so I'm, I'm just like, oh, he's not happy with that response. No, I think you've, at the end, the last week or so, it's all about staying positive and you can't harp on it. Like if you're constantly talking about it and it's, I mean, it's clearly in Ali's head, but it doesn't help for for her to be talking about how bad it is. And she did really well staying positive and, um, and, 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 that was a good thing, and I think that's what got her to two twenty nine. If she just spent the last two to three weeks t- constantly complaining and worried about it and um, and bitching about it, then I don't think she's finishing that race. I was worried when I saw the tracker and saw like seventeen was it seventeen oh four? Yeah. For the first five, but, but I wasn't so concerned by that. It was more concerned by then the second one being more like seventeen thirty, and you know it's like in the marathon, like. You want that confidence of like you shouldn't be slowing down 30 seconds from no. your first 5k to your second 5k in a marathon and like it like i'm not sure whether she even like knew that like her splits or whatever but like i knew just looking at the tracker i'm like oh that's that's not a good sign when you know because you, you see anybody that runs really well over the marathon and the first like 5 10 15 20k splits should should all be within like five ten seconds of each other i reckon um and when you have that big gap, you're like, ah, oh, something's not quite right here. I, I agree with you. I was the same. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, yeah, okay. That's like, it's too big of a jump here. And she'll she'll be able to give a good rundown on, 
on on her her little show, but she she did tell me last night. She's like, I told him to slow down several times in that first five k, and they didn't. Um, the pacer didn't slow down, and then so they obviously got to the five k split, and were like, oh fuck, I've cooked this. I'm gonna put the brakes on. Um, two girls in the pack, and I think there were only two or three that were in that pack. Both told the pacer to slow down, and she she didn't. She got it wrong. Look, the positive is that she has got another marathon under her belt, and the training that she's done in the lead up to this, like although the result wasn't what she wanted, that that training's still there, which will you know help her, you know, for the next block, um, and potentially like she may she may have pulled up physically, like other than a sickness. Because she wasn't running super, like is she, like how is she body wise, like cooked, or because she was running a fair bit slower than you expected? Maybe she's not quite as banged up. Yeah, she's said not too bad. Mm. Yeah. Let's go quick fire uh, results here, Croaks. We might even skip listening to question. I reckon it's going to be a long yeah. show. Yeah. All right. So just um, we had a few people racing internationally uh, on the track over in um, the US at the Peyton. Jordan Invitational. So Andre Waring ran 13.31 for the 5K and Leanne Pompiani ran 15.19. So PBs for both of those people and, and pretty good breakthroughs. Uh, Gifu Half over in Japan. Izzy Bat Doyle was fifth in 70.16. Rose Davies seventh in 70.53. Jen Gregson eighth in 71.57. The race was won in 68.18. And uh, yeah, Tiranesh Dababa, who we spoke about before, she was in the field and finished third um new south wales novice champs were up in sydney uh luke hints won the men's 10k in 31 14 matt cox second 31 25 and ben st lawrence third in 31 35 uh the actual novice champ was gavin eccles in 32 13 and in the women's race which is 7.5 k ainsley minar was first in 2605 neve allen was 26 35 for second and Katie St. Lawrence was third in 27.44, and she was also the novice champ. So, Just run me through this again. Yes. I do this every time. Yeah. This time of the year. So to, to qualify as a novice, you have to have not won a, a medal at either a state championship or nationals at a distance over three kilometres. So if you've yeah if you've medaled at nationals or state champs in any distance over three k, you're no longer novice. Um, if you also medal at the novice championships, you're no longer a novice. Roger. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah so I won like the novice champs back in like 2005 I think it was. Yeah, because I at that point I'd never won a, a national or state medal. Um, yeah. So that's, that's How many national medals did you win since then? Got one. Did you? Yep. Marathon. 3K. 3K. Collis, Mottram, Croker. Yeah, so it was Mottram and then it was a Kenyan and then Collis and then myself. So I was third Aussie. Oh, you got any default. moves? And I've told you this story before because <laughs> the only reason I ran the 3K was because I didn't qualify for the 1500. I wanted to run the 1500 and the 3K was like, well, it was the Mickey Mouse event, except for guys like Mottram and Collis who had already got qualifiers and whatever. They just wanted to do like a 3K race. And so there was Mottram and Collis and the Kenyan like way out in front. And then there was this like second pack of like 
I wouldn't even call it sub elites at the time. It's like battling out for this national bronze medal. I only ran like 824 or something. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yep. Have you got any national medals, Moose? Nah, you got to go to fucking Sydney Marathon to get them. That's no one ever wanted to run Sydney Marathon. <laughs> I got one at the half there one year, Sydney Marathon, Australian champs. No come, shit. Come third, yep. Yeah, I got a What'd national medal. Oh, it would have been slow, like 67, 68. Hilly yeah. course, though, probably worth 64. I reckon Brad well, Molosevic won it. Dave Thomas, there's second, some, I reckon. There's some, cheap, there's some cheap Aussie medals getting around yeah, by the sounds well, of it. and I have got one each. Uh, Jales Park Relays, feel like we've spoken about this a million times tonight, but we'll quickly go through the results. Glenn Huntley got the win in one hour, 49 minutes, 37 seconds. So this is 6 by 6K. Western Athletics were 1 hour, 49 minutes, and 43 seconds. I swear it was closer than that. It looked closer at the finish. It was an epic finish between uh, Ed Marks and Cody Shanahan, who both ran first and second fastest times of the day, 17.25 and 17.36. Bendigo bats were like four minutes back in third, one hour, 53 and 19 seconds. Um, Ben Buckingham was the third fastest time of the day. We were 17.51. To put that into perspective, it is... About, I think, five seconds quicker than what Stewie and Jack ran last year. Yeah, Stewie was 17.30 and Jack was 17.40. Close to 300 teams there. So uh, good to see so many people around. Glenn Huntley also won the women's in 1 hour 50.41 seconds. St. Stephen's was second, 1 hour 51.03. And Box Hill third, 1 hour 52.28. Lyndon Hall, fastest of the day in the women's, 19.42. Abby Caldwell, 2011. And Madeline Murray, 2028. So some big names getting around Jells Park down there in Wheelers Hill. Heaps of people. And, uh, yeah, good to see XCR is back. Moose on the loose. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, they don't they don't look after us. They don't share any of our stuff like they do other podcasts. But it's good that AV had live tracking. People love live tracking. Like, there was heaps of people waiting at home just following the results, and we had the results going in the tent. Uh, it, it's They do it really well now, I reckon. They yeah, do. It's a very good product. I know they don't like us and stuff like that, but um, it's a very good product, and there's a lot of people down there um, getting the job done. So it's good. It's a lot of listeners down there as well. I feel like there's just a lot of, like, diehard runners that support these events, and it's a, a, it's a really good product. The 10 race series, the points, the team stuff – I think people go to another level when they got their club singlet on. Um, yeah, I love it. Loved having it back. Croaks, yeah. you've been checking the live results, wouldn't you? See what Moose and I ran? I did have it up at one point, actually. Yeah, to see what was going on. Yeah. Jeez, big Saturdays for Croaks. <laughs> um, Moose on the li- Yeah, I got a couple of quick ones first. So I'll just slide one out. It was about um, London Marathon results page, right? You have to do your own math to get the 5K split. Do you guys see that? So if you go into the results, it just gives you like elapsed time. It doesn't actually give you what the split was. And it's really difficult to work out what like 1704 into 3450 or something actually is. I I was, and especially when it changes numbers from like 1704 like say it's like 1735 to to 36 something i'm like how the fuck am i supposed to work that out 
it's not like mass, it's called mass moose. I tried to pull my calculator out and I'm like <laughs> seventeen thirty take six oh no, that doesn't work. Yeah, couldn't do it. Uh yeah. So yeah, that was one of them. The other one was FlowTrack. I think I pay $150 a year for that subscription and then they fucking lose the stream on the on the race. Um, so that was painful as well. So I only watched like three races on it a year and then I'd lose that. But the main one is cross-country uh, is cross-country getting treated by individual by runners as if it's like some kind of second-rate team sport. So when you've got an individual who, who goes, oh, I got my mum's cousin's birthday this weekend, I can't run. And in my head, coming from a football background, I, I hear that and I think I would never have been able to get away with that in footy. If I said that to the coach, he would have said, you're fucking playing. I don't give a shit. Like, like that's not an excuse. You can't just pull that and not play for the team. You've got 17 blokes relying on you out on that field and you're going to tell them you've gone to your mum's cousin's birthday? And and we cop that every week at running. And I know other clubs cop it too. And so why isn't there a culture that you show up and run throughout the season for your club? Brady, what do you think about that? Yeah, I like it, Moose. We've kind of um, tried to get the people to commit for seven of the ten. Like that would be a good showing, but, but you're right. Is, I did. I did all clubs. Hey, I did all ten last say, year. You're talking oh, to a guy yeah. who did all ten, but he hated no, me for a few I weeks. Like, that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's not there yet, though. That culture. It's getting there, though. Moose, why didn't you bring this up when we were speaking to Andy? Hey, boys, I've got to go over to Hamburg and run a marathon. Sorry, bats. I mean, carry on the weekend. Skeleton team. The Benny Bats still come third. I'll throw something else out there, though, Moose. So when you play, when you play footy like the whole comp like you as an athlete are basically judged on and your goals align with the team whereas um the tough thing with the cross-country season it's is it's so long and there's often other big races and like and brady probably struggled with this a little bit last year was he committed to the bats cross-country season but it then probably impacted some of his other personal races, which you don't have when you're in a footy team because your personal races are your team races, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you, I, so you, I, I know what you're saying. I do. I reckon but, I pulled it off last year, but it actually impacted my personal life, not so much like the Gold Coast and the Launcestons, but my, mm-hmm. yeah, my social life and stuff. Yeah, but there's like 10 rounds, and footy is there's 18 rounds normally, local footy. So you've got half a season, basically. You're only playing every second or third week. Um, and you're still running. Like, cross-country running is good for you. Yeah. And most of the time, like, showing up and getting it done is it, – it, you don't have to go out and absolutely smoke yourself every week. Like, you can go – if someone's – like, you can do – and say you're doing Gold Coast Marathon, you're going to go to Albert Park. That's a race. That, that's a good – that's good for you. Or then you go to Bendigo and be like, yeah, I can't smoke myself today. I've got like a marathon workout. So I'm going to get around for the boys and or the ladies if you're on the ladies team. But if, right. you, but if you bring that back to the footy um, the footy example and you say to your coach, coach, 
I'm just going to take it easy today on the field. How's that chuck go down with in, the coach? Chuck us in the pocket. I've got a dodgy little ankle. I'm playing rep footy tomorrow. Yeah. Look, I've got picked for the interleague team. I'm playing. I can't be going busting my ass, winning by 100 points like we used to do at Geelong. Because I know with like New South Wales, for example, and like New South Wales doesn't have the team concept that you guys have down in, in Victoria, but often the now across country race, which was like pretty tough, was always like the week before Gold Coast. And it's like, it, that is not a, like, that's not a great event to have the week before Gold Coast. Like this really, really tough cross country. Like even, even just doing it as a tempo. Um, but like, it's not really relevant because New South Wales doesn't really have that team atmosphere. Um, but I guess my, my point was the season runs so long and if you commit to the full cross country season, you probably have to sacrifice some of your own personal goals in bigger races. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And no. I still think you can pull off a good, a good marathon build off cross country. Mm. I still think you can. You've just got to, you've just got to be a little more flexible with it. Andy Buchanan, that's what he does. Anyway, fellas, well, let's wrap it up. It's been a long one. Hoping this audio file is saved and we we get it actually in the bag. Uh, what's coming up for you boys? We've got the Road to London finale coming up. New series after that in the works. Just got to lock down a few names. Ed Goddard interviews coming up as well. The 62-minute man, 213. What would you think about Ed when you were jogging listening to that, Croaks? Yeah, it's good. He's, um, yeah, he's like, he likes a chat. He's got some good views. Um, yeah, so no, I enjoyed the interview. It's good to get to know him. I feel like you see a lot of him, but you don't really know him. You ask him about his um, marathon, his half marathon treddy thresholds? Mm, not sure. Spoke about it a little. Spoke yeah. about it a little bit. I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll, my app's been playing up. I've got to listen. All these things have just popped up today. Oh, things yeah. I've been missing. You said that last week, actually, off air. Yeah, it's no good. All right, boys, what are you doing between now and next week, Croaks? Uh, training, going back to work. Trying to tee up an interview with a well, big name, that. I suppose. Don't, don't say the name, though. Don't give it away yet. Tease no. it out a bit. Very <laughs> big name. Maybe the biggest. Moose, what are you doing? No, not the biggest. Mm, uh, could be. Uh, I've actually got a, some massive announcements this week, so just keep oh, keep go. your eye on keep your eye on socials. The running company Geelong also. Uh, also on the personal stuff, you might see some things pop up. Oh, I know this. I reckon we spoke about it in the monthly. New employee. Bad oh, boy from wow. Ballarat's moving to town, isn't he? How much did you talk about, actually? <laughs> Is it announced yet? Haven't you listened to the monthly yet? He said no. he's, He said he's moving to Anglesey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Christian How much else did, What else did you talk about? Oh, you'll have about. to listen to it. Oh, all right. Cool. I'll have to have a listen. All right. See you, boys. Do it all again next week. Have a good week. This week's guest on the Inside Running Podcast is one of the most fascinating people, I think anyway, in Australian distance running. 
He has a half marathon PB of 62 minutes and a marathon PB of 2.13. We've spoken about him a lot over the years, I feel, and uh, a massive welcome goes to Ed Goddard. Thanks for joining the Inside Running Podcast this week. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a long-time listener, so it's it's good to good to hit the show finally. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those ones. I was thinking sometimes people get a bit, um, I wouldn't say insulted, but we've had a couple of people who have come on, say, after episode 200 and been like, why has it taken me like 200 mm-hmm. episodes to finally get an interview? But then yeah. I often remind them, like, we still haven't had on Craig Mottram, Rob DeCostella. Yeah. Um, there was some other significant like Australian record holder I was thinking the other day. Oh, Ryan Gregson, for example. Like, there's you got to spread out some of the big names in the sport and just kind of keep it keep it sustainable that way. So I do feel like we've spoken about you a few times over the years, though. So the listeners should be familiar with who you are. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, uh, what's your Tuesday looked like so far? Always we're recording this at two p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. What's training yeah. been this morning, and what's life Tuesday. looked like? Tuesday's been chilled. So I mean. I guess kind of this this week in particular is a, a little bit of a down week. I um, since World Cross, I've just put my head down and had sort of eight nine weeks of hard hard training, sort of three workouts a week, um, about 190k a week, uh, and so I sort of just wanted to commit to that for two months, and then and then just have an easy sort of reset week, just with a bit more jogging. Um, and I guess anyone who knows a lot about me or follows me on Strava knows that I am uh, impartial to a treadmill jog. <laughs> and so that was my morning. I jogged uh, 20, oh, just under 20K on the treadmill and I watched a movie, which I am a big fan of as well. What so was the movie? I actually watched the uh, the OG South Park film. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, South Park is back cool. Like I'm a school teacher and I teach like nine and 10 year olds and they're like quoting Cartman and stuff in my classroom. And I'm like, this is not okay. And I feel like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that was, that's exactly what was happening in schools as well. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, they're they're very in touch. I I watch, uh, I mean, because I do run on the treadmill and also like you do get a lot of downtime running. um, And so I do watch a lot of, a lot of TV, a lot of movies um, and I'm a big cartoons guy. And I like seeing a show like that, like still put a lot of effort into what they're, um, what they're producing and stuff, which is cool. So you got that like on an iPad, like on the dash of the treadmill or like on a big Uh, TV in front of you? Just my phone. um, And yeah, just on, on the dash and yeah, which has been good, like. It was funny, like a few years ago, before my first ever uh, big injury, I was, I did a lot of stuff during the day, and I liked, um, I liked sort of doing things during the day, not really sitting down and sort of watching, watching films. Um, but when I, when I broke my foot and I got back in the Ultra G and I'd spent a lot of time cycling on the bike and and on the elliptical and stuff, like I, I really got into watching a lot of movies and stuff. Um, and so I like, watched all the Marvel films and watched like all Simpsons again, watched all the Futurama, like South Park, Family Guy. <laughs> and so now I'm, uh, I wouldn't say cultured, but, um, very up to date with, um, with late 20th century cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess when you add up all the hours that we do spend exercising, it's, um, yeah, it's a good amount of time to consume stuff, I suppose. But tell me about the pace. Like, are you... Do you just switch off and go super slow when you're on the treadmill watching that stuff, or like do you, yeah. do you kind of just tune out and just let the legs tick over, or you kind of so, yeah, it very, very tuned out, yeah, very tuned out. Like if I if I'm doing anything that sort of involves a little bit of um, uh, effort, I'll just put music on or watch 
watch music videos because um, I find like you can sort of tune in and out of, of that stuff. And so like one of my staple workouts, I do uh, like a, an hour threshold and I'll, I'll do, I mean, most weeks I'll do it on the treadmill. Like sometimes I'll like do 80% on the treadmill and then sort of jump outside for the last like 5K or something or just to um, just to pick the pace up. But but I do I do like the sort of like monotony of of just um, just rolling along and um, and spending a lot of time in your own head because I think it's a good skill to uh, develop as a as a runner. Yeah, we will get to your PBs. We often list those off at the start of the interviews. But just on the World Cross, how did you pull up from that? Like you did the Golden Ticket race the day before, so a big twenty four yeah. hours, and then um, must have been must have been a weird kind of experience contrasting the Friday yeah. to the Saturday. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was so hot as well. It felt like a bit of a fever dream that whole mm. that whole weekend. It was, it was, yeah. Um, but it, it was good. Um, I guess in hindsight, like I, really after the race, I realized I was sort of running on fumes. Like last year, I had a sort of big year of, of racing. Sort of first first year back after COVID. Like, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on, and I guess first like pro season especially coming out of the college system where you where you're used to racing regularly um i sort of wanted to to sort of emulate that a bit and just get back on the horse um but i i mean i definitely over over raced and um didn't didn't uh structure my my year that well and i think by the time i took december pretty chill and and January sort of built back up. I think World Cross, I was running on what was left of last year's fitness, um, which is sort of why that led me to the decision just to sort of put my head down and, and get back to training this this year since then. So, yeah, World Cross was – it was tough because, like, I wasn't, I wasn't at all where I'd like to be. Um, but, I mean, it was a good reminder to, to do some more hills and, and stuff like that in training. <laughs> yeah, and the, the – Kind of what was it like for those golden ticket winners as well? Because we kind of, I guess you talk to the guys on the Australian team and you hear their kind of response to the call room and the whole hype about being in a world championships. Like you guys were kind of like there but not there in a way. Like they didn't yeah. show you guys in the results. And yeah. it, was a, it was a different concept. I think some people loved it early days and then hated it by the time it rolled around and other people hated it and then they loved it. But you were actually the person living it. Like what was the vibe like of um, – be, like were people giving you kind of like the side eyes like on the start line like what are you doing here and then yeah tell me what it was like i mean honestly like so the week week leading up to it it was like you get a lot of people be like oh like what are you up to next weekend or like have you got a lot of stuff on like coming up and you'd be like well like i might be running at world champs <laughs> <laughs> but i might not be you know what i mean like it was sort of because it's such a big thing like it's a world championship event but because you only sort of trial the day before like you can't really like tell people, oh, like I'm gonna be running a world champs this weekend. Like, make sure you tune in or something like that, because you aren't yet qualified. Um, and so it was kind of it was kind of funny because like that whole week running, you're like, well, I guess I should tape it because I might be running like a the biggest race of my life on on Saturday. But but as well, like you know, you're not qualified <laughs> qualified for anything, which was it was sort of funny leading in, uh, which was which was nice as well. Um, but but. I guess the golden ticket was fine. It was pretty low key, I guess, early on Friday morning. Um, but it was funny because 
I guess by the time Saturday Arvo rolled around and we started to warm up um, and then they made the announcement that the race was getting moved like 30 minutes forwards. Um, and so you didn't really have a lot of time to actually A, warm up or B, think about it. Um, and I think everyone was kind of in the same boat. Like call room was really rushed. They sort of rushed us on the start line, sort of like set us off. And, um, and then <laughs> I guess as soon as it finished, like the thunderstorm was on and they sort of dragged everyone off the course and everyone dispersed. And I was like, did that, did that really happen? Like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty exhausted, but everyone's like, yeah, you know what I mean? It was, it was it weird. Just, it was everyone everyone yeah. just left. Yeah. 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 Everyone's like sprinting back to their cars as the rain's yeah. pelting down and there's a, like getting text messages to like evacuate the area and like, yeah. yeah, it was really, really odd. And I can't imagine what it's, what it was like out there. Yeah. And I think probably the credibility of those people that showed up to the golden ticket race and qualified probably like we were joking around the week before that if Moose or I, cause we were both going to run, yeah. um, you know, got top six or eight, would we actually accept it? And we were like, we'd feel like we're kind of like, you know, not wel- not welcome, but haven't earned yeah. that spot to be on the world champs because we're guys, well, Moose has, you know, represented Australia, but I kind of see myself as a long way from that. Whereas I think because it was guys like you and Benny Sane and Tom DeCano, it's like these are guys that do make teams. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it was kind of good to see I mean, you. I guess as well, and I, <laughs> I um, I, I think Moose is a bit like this. I think running's a little bit, like, it's easy to, um, like, overthink it. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, like, it's an opportunity and no one really cares. No one's going to stand on the start line and be like, oh, that guy, you know, that guy wouldn't usually be here. Like, I'm pretty pretty pissed off. Like, <laughs> no one really no one really thinks like that or, or cares, you know what I mean? I think I definitely, like, a few years ago, like, used to overthink running a lot. Um, but now... <laughs> It's like, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things that, like, everyone does, everyone trains hard, everyone everyone works for these opportunities, and it, I think if you get them and you got, like, there's no there's no point, like, uh, yeah, there's no point overthinking at all, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and when's that opportunity going to come up for you again? Exactly. At home, yeah. Bathurst, not far from home. Yeah. Uh, world cross country, yeah. Sure. Let's, let's go through your PBs, Ed. There's a bit of a yeah. trend here. 1500 well there's a there's an obvious um trend i feel when i looked at your pbs this morning and these could be wrong but this is what's on your world athletes profile so i'm sure you could go a lot quicker than some of these shorter distance times uh 1500 356 yeah is that it yeah national um i think it was first i think i just finished school um and i ran i ran the nationals um, and around 356 in the heat, which which put me pretty pretty close to the back. Um, it was the it was the nationals where uh, Jordan Guzman before the final shaved his head um, and fell over the lap to go, and, and Gregson I think won. If you remember, if you remember that nationals, this was this open nationals or June? Yeah, yeah. open nationals yeah. in um, Sydney. In Sydney. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was that's my 15. <laughs> was that the year? Did the year before the Sydney boys? It was like Jeremy Roth and oh, there was that other Sydney. Josh, fa- Josh Wright. Josh Wright. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he was sh- shaved head as well. Kind of a bigger yeah. build as well. They kind of upset, I guess, that kind of Melbourne track club. I reckon they came over like Gregson and James Cullen, yeah. was it as well? Like, yeah, he was definitely up there. I know. Um, I think Josh Wright got DQ'd one of those years mm. as well. A bit of um, uh, not staying his lane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's the 1500. A while ago, you'd rewrite that easy if you put yeah. together one now, wouldn't you? 
Do I, I mean, think I'd, so. I'd, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, the three k eight thirteen. Yeah. You were a junior think, then too. Uh, yeah. So same same year. Um, I mean, that was I guess my big breakthrough race. It was like a seventeen second PB. Yep. Um, and it was my first uh, state state uh, open medal. <laughs> yep. So I was, I was I was happy with that, but. But yeah, those those shorter stuff. I mean, I definitely neglected, um, and I always thought it'd be something like you just come back to and you'd end up running a fifteen or a three k. And I guess I thought I'd when I went to college in America, I'd, I'd get mm. get a chance to sort of run a bit faster. But uh, with with COVID and everything, just <laughs> haven't haven't got around to it. <laughs> yeah, and then the five k, I guess, is similar, like fourteen oh seven. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, Hunter Track Classic in twenty eighteen. Yep. Um, which I mean, it was it was good to like junior fielders like a uh, Facchione. Um, uh, I mean, Brad Milosevic was in it. We had um, Jared Clifford, um, Sean Guinea paced. Oh yeah, a bit of a throwback. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, same same kind of thing. Like, um, I think I yeah definitely go a lot faster. Like I've time trialed, I've time trialed fast. Like I've run faster splits in in different races but but yeah i mean and it's funny as well because like i have like i have run i mean i run indoor 5k a little bit faster um but but yeah it's, it's something like I, I think um i mean i haven't i haven't like got around to um sort of entering a big race where i run fast but at, at the same time like I know I've neglected that kind of um, that training as well. Yeah, and I guess maybe not so much the fifteen hundred, but opportunities to actually run a fast three or five k. Like you might have one, say, in New South Wales at the state champs, and then five k's are hard to find as well on the track sure. during our summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess most guys like, uh, I mean, especially post post twenty twenty, like over at college in America, like there's been a lot of super quick fires where guys have run. Run like thirteen thirties, thirteen twenties, but but yeah, I think, I mean, it's something I've been putting a lot of work in that sort of speed, speed like endurance zone um, in in training and stuff. And so I think, I think, um, I think I'd be in pretty good shape. Like if I ran one, what ran one now, and I guess Sydney ten k being my best race. I mean, my next race. Um, like if I run. Well, there maybe I find a road five or, or something as well. Um, and I guess we have world uh, road running this year over in over in Latvia. Like, <laughs> yeah, the road five k is maybe going to get a bit more um, exposure. Mm. Yeah, we're seeing a bit more of that, aren't we? And even like, I think it was I don't know, ASICS who you're sponsored by did the um, kind of like the weekend of events kind of thing and pull all the athletes yeah. together. We've seen Adidas do it previously as well, where they have a crack sure. at the the world records on the road for 5k and 10k and that kind of stuff so yeah. yeah potentially we see more of that so then the second like the longer stuff this is where it gets pretty impressive 2833 for zatapec 2021 yeah. podium that day third uh, fourth uh, so fourth so yeah. i think i'll yeah i was um i think did brett or Rayner win the other one was maybe like 2819 dave mcneil was 2819, and then I was 2823, so I was just behind um, them. Yeah, England. <laughs> that was a good day, yeah. Yeah, and then the half marathon, I think you were with Brett and maybe and, Tom DeCano that day as well down at Launceston. Yeah. 2020, um, 62.16. Yeah. Do you reckon that's your best PB across the board? 
I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably say so. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. Like with all the road PDs, like I mean, I ran all those ones like within sort of two, three months of each other. Um, so I was on a on a bit of a uh, hot streak then, pre pre injury. But I think I was also a bit like Icarus, flying a little bit close to the sun with with training hard and um, not a much, not as not enough time looking after the body. You were pretty aggressive that day too, yeah. Like you did a lot of the leading. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then the marathon. So, well, you've also just on the half. You've also ran three sixty threes all last yeah. year. So you've kind of got a few around that similar mark there. Um, sure. The marathon two thirteen thirty six California International Marathon does have an asterisk on yeah. it though because it's net downhill. Yeah. Similar to what they do for Boston. But um, you've also ran a couple of, you've ran Manchester 213.45 and then Copenhagen 2.14 high yeah. and then the Melbourne Marathon debut. So I don't think it's yeah. a it's an outliner downhill marathon that you you shouldn't have there. I think it probably stacks up pretty yeah. well to, to what you've done. Yeah, I mean, I think I was, I mean, it's definitely the race I felt best on, on those long sort of road races. Um, but I mean, I rolled my ankle pretty badly at, at about 30Ks, maybe, yeah, 27, 30Ks. You hit um, a cone, didn't you? Like a traffic cone? Yeah, stood on a traffic cone. Because, I mean, it'd been raining really heavily. And, you know, when, like, it it, um, it rains really heavily, like, you get the all the, like, leaves and sticks and stuff roll into sort of the middle of the road. Um, and because there was a lot of that stuff on the road, I was sort of over on one side going around the corner and, and um, yeah, just went over on my ankle, which was... Which was funny. I was working with a US guy called Jacob Thompson, um, and we were doing basically all the leading, just just alternating because there was no pacer. Um, and he, about thirty seconds before I rolled my ankle, he went off to the side of the road to to go to the bathroom. And I think it was just like that lapse of concentration, being like, "Oh, like where where's he? Like what's happening?" Or like, "I'll go back on the front," and and just just went straight over, which was. Which was annoying because, like, if like running with an injury, like, you just—I mean, like, three-minute k's feels like two fifties when you're when you're running in that sort of pain. Um, How far was, in was it that you hit the cone? Uh, about twenty-seven to thirty k. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then last four k's was when people started making moves and and they got flushed out the back door. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you you make a good point about. Because I just spoke about Launceston half, like you're doing a bit of leading that day. I'm pretty sure Gold Coast was it last year or the year before. Like I've seen you at that on that front pack leading it, the same kind of thing. Like, is it your you don't have the patience to sit in, or you feel more comfortable on the front? But I'd feel like Melbourne yeah. Marathon on your debut. I remember, yeah. you know, you're you're doing the pacing, and Brett and Tom are the experienced guys sitting behind you, kind of letting you do the work. Like, yeah. do you feel like it's a um, um, yeah, tell me about it because I feel like their eyes must light up when they see you in a long distance yeah. race and think, okay, we got Ed to take us through. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone loves leading, but I think it's one of those things. If you're impartial to, then you end up on the front a lot because most people hate leading, mm-hmm. and so if you don't mind it, like that's good enough for them, kind of thing. Um, and I guess because. Because I'm young and and a lot of those guys are a little bit older and they've run those fast times, they're not really they're not really chasing times as much. Um, and whereas maybe if it slows down, like I'd want to sort of keep the ball rolling a, a little bit more. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I think just all thing, all those things considered, you just <laughs> end up there a bit. But I mean, the only the only benefit of leading is that you sort of you know what you're gonna get, like you know what to expect as well, um, which is which is nice too. Like if you wanna if you wanna run a certain time through halfway, you can sort of make sure that make sure that it happens. Yeah. Let's talk about your marathon marathoning career because you're only 24 and you've ran four, maybe five uh, with the DNF at London. Yeah, four with the DNF as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was four just last year alone, so it's kind of it's good to see you've stepped into the event early. Were there conversations planned a couple of years ago that you would jump into it at a younger age than what we've kind of used to seeing? I mean, definitely. Like, um, so 20, 2018 after I ran my my first like. A uh, good run on the road was um, Gold Coast 20, uh, 2018 and around 64.06. Yeah, and that was, that was in a, one of those pair of Adidas sub twos, if you remember them. Yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> um, and but the super shoes would have been out then, wouldn't they? They were, but I was uh, a bit sceptical. <laughs> Wilson Kipsang, I reckon, the sub two, wouldn't he? Like he would have made that famous. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Cometo? Um, yeah, I mean, Adidas did that, um, did this sub two project as well, which mm. sort of fell over. Um, <laughs> but I guess a lot of those guys have been done for doping now, which, yeah. is, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but yeah, so they, they were out, but I was, I was a little bit skeptical how shoes went from, like, you had your racing shoes, which only sort of the top guys who are highly tuned and, and, like used to training in thin, fast shoes could wear, and then all of a sudden the the, the ratio of choice for everyone was something that ninety nine percent of runners can can race in. I was a bit like, surely that's like the best marketing scheme in the world. <laughs> um, and so I was I was a bit skeptical, and I mean I still sort of am as well. Like I just. Yeah, I just can't believe that it's been that easy for for all shoe companies to make some of the best shoes in the world that that everyone can wear. Like, it's it's sort of changed the whole sport in in four years, which is pretty crazy. It. Ha- I was talking to someone about this on uh, Sunday Long Run, and you're right. We were talking about like back pre super shoes. If you go to a fun run, so go, go to a Gold Coast Marathon Festival, and yeah. it's only the top, you know, twenty, fifty guys and girls in uh, each race that have racing flats on yeah um, whereas you go now the super shoes are the whole way through the field exactly. like you would never go down to your local park run and see someone in a pair of asic piranhas no. or a, you know a lunar racer or something like yeah. that but i go down to my local park run every week and there's 30 people in next percents or alpha yeah. flies or you know whatever x name the super shoe that's out there so sure yeah, it's definitely gone through they've marketed it brilliantly they have and it, it's funny because as well like you think back to the you think back to running pre pre uh, the breaking two project and you think like Mo Farah and Galen Rupp um, and like all these guys like Deborah Meskel like all these guys they were running track 10ks that Mm. was that was the long distance thing like and you're running in uh, I mean most of those guys are still running the Nike uh, Zoom victories that came out in like 2008 yeah Um, and it's crazy because I, I know even from that ASICS thing you mentioned last year, that, that event in Spain and talking to their, their marketing guys. And, I mean, those guys are really saying, like, we really care most about 
road marathon racing now because that's sort of the direction running's uh, gone in, which is crazy because basically like Kipchoge and that, that whole breaking two thing has like completely shifted the focus of running from from track to to road and like you look at like 5k and 10k now like it's pretty like there's no there's nowhere near as much hype as as there used to be for like the olympic the olympic 10k and stuff like i guess you got uh like the ugandan guys and you got grant fisher and a few other americans um but i think it's crazy because yeah the focus really is all the road stuff now um yeah. Do you think that's just because it's not relatable as much as well? Like you can't go on the track and actually experience what a, you know, these guys are closing in fifty five, and and yeah. it probably doesn't look any different than a than a sixty five or seventy, and then the general person probably can't relate to that as well. Yeah. Um, whereas on the roads, they kind of know what a, a K split kind of feels like, I guess, at a different pace. For sure, and I, I mean, I think it's definitely more relatable and i think yeah as well just the shoe companies have put so much like marketing push into all that all the road stuff and i guess you even look at like um teams like nn running like most of i mean obviously like chapter guy kip lima like they do run the track but like 99 percent of the times you see an nn singlet that's at the front of a major marathon and, and same with like these guys who go by like the I don't know what whichever super shoe like they see all those in road races or they see that in a in a big city half or or a, a road 10k whereas like just tracks it's just I think like the 10k and the 5k's on the tracks sort of been a little bit left behind in the last few years just with with what athletes is focused on yeah what do you think about we're getting down rabbit holes here and i've still got a list of questions but we'll get to the list of questions um only because i just finished watching boston and the currency of winning those major races so we saw helena beery in the in the on super shoe and we saw um chibet and his training partner whose name escapes me off the top of my head uh both two well three adidas athletes first second and third and i'm like kipchoge back in six or seventh i'm like what a nike yeah. thinking about that on yeah. must be absolutely stoked Adi- and now adidas the top shoe like yeah. how much do you think because i to be honest i rarely see an adidas super shoe um yeah. maybe it's just because of their impact and influence in australia but i rarely see one at my local park run i don't know yeah. any sub elite guys or elite guys in australia that put one on um yeah. so is that a currency there for those for those athletes and those brands or of yeah. nike and we've seen everyone trying to catch up. And I know you're an ASICS athlete, so you've yeah. got different intel as well about what's coming. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what do you think the currency of that's worth, winning those major races and how it filters down? I mean, I think it's huge because, I mean, even uh, even if you look at Medka Flesky, mm. who won Boston in, 20, uh, was it 2014? Um, and I think the stock market of sketches went up like it, by yeah. 20% or something in the, in the months after after his win there. Um, so I, I think it is huge and you do see like, I mean, like even if you just look through Instagram and see like all the different like events which like ASICS and Adidas and Nike are hosting on these marathon weekends trying to get people to buy shoes. Um, yeah, I think I think that is pretty huge. So we should, we should buy a bit of on stock, start yeah. trading over in the US. Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> late tonight. 
Let's go back to Ed, the marathoner, though, because I do want to get Ed, the ideas man, and how the sport yeah. works and things like that. But but the Melbourne debut, um, you, you did a lot of the leading. We spoke about it. it was a December marathon, probably one yeah. of the one of the big marathons that actually happened that year. Yeah. Um, weather was perfect, though. I was a bit, I was about ten minutes, or not ten minutes, eight minutes behind you on the road that day, and it was a beautiful day to be running the marathon. Yeah. Um, you had some issues, I think, in the last couple of k's and your drinks, yeah. and like maybe that first marathon, learning a lot yeah. of stuff that day. Well, um, I, I don't know if you remember, but it was it was the marathon where the the organizer said you could have someone with you on a bike, if you remember. Well, um, the top guys. Yeah, well, this is... You could have, you could have someone, yep. like, cycle, cycle along and, and get off the bike and hand you yep. bottles. Yeah. Or you could hand your bottles in and have them at the drink stations. Yeah. Um, and all the other guys at the top had someone on a bike, whereas I handed mine in, but they didn't actually put them out on the tables. <laughs> yes. People have stitched you up there not telling you that Melbourne's yeah. very unreliable. We've actually yeah. put those drinks out, so that's why everyone brings their own mate yeah, on a bike exactly. to just hand them to you. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it was it was one of those things like, I mean, even for example, I, I ran past my dad at like 25Ks and I shouted to him like, oh, I, I don't have any drinks. Like, And so he rang... Um, he rang Annabelle, who was at like 35Ks, and she went back to the hotel and, and got a gel um, and then went down and stood on the road at like 35Ks. But like the fact you're trying to communicate all that when, you, when you're running a marathon is pretty, pretty uh, hectic. But it, it was a good day. Um, I mean, I, I really had a lot of fun, um, and I did do a lot of leading. And I guess being my first marathon, I didn't really understand the whole like sitting in conserving energy because I I tried to throw a lot of surges in um, from about halfway onwards um, and even when we got up to the top of the Shrine of Remembrance um, when Tom DeCano sort of slipped off the off Brett and I, I was like oh I said to Brett like oh like I think we're in for a good like payday here we're having a bit of jokes but by the time we got down the bottom of the hill my um, my quads were so trash I could could hardly <laughs> put one leg in front of the other it happens quick in the marathon, doesn't it? And, then it, you, and you never experience that in other races. Like no, you, can't, you feel the lactic in the shorter staff and you get tired yeah. and things like that, but not that quick like, bam, okay, I'm actually yeah. going into survival mode now. I'm going to find the finish line. Yeah, literally. So, so yeah. then you went to Manchester. I remember you had the war paint on the, um, yeah, under, the, the under the eyes and you were aggressive there too. Like yeah. and the and the two well, I've got it written in front of me here two thirteen forty five so a bit yeah. of a you know a significant improvement but still not where your probably potential is yeah. at and still not quick enough to like make a team yet. Yeah, and so Man- I mean Manchester was, I mean it was it was, a, it was an awesome race. Like I hundred percent do it again if it was same setup because it was it was the British um, British team trials, mm. and so we had a pace of the twenty five k's. We went through halfway and in 66 um but it was one of those things in the pacemaker pacemaker stopped we all sort of just spread literally like five in a row across and looking at each other and some of the british guys like shouting at each other like someone's gonna lead it um and and so like when we got to 30k i put on a big surge and i thought like i mean it was i think it was very optimistic and like lack of experience, but I sort of went up, went up the road by myself, thinking that like I'll get the ball rolling and like 
I don't know, maybe we'll pick it up as a group, but, but no one came with me. And then I sort of had to wait for them to come back to me because I was like, there's no way I'm going to run 12K solo to the finish with with this big group behind. Um, and then and then Johnny Mellor put a bit of surge in. I sort of went with him. And I guess being young and inexperienced, sort of every, every move I tried to be the one to react to it immediately. Um, and even coming into like the last sort of 8Ks, like some of the guys were like, they all ran 211, 210. And they were like, oh, all we need to do is run five minute miles to, to run 211. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, like I, I might not win, but it's going to be a, a good day. And, and same thing as, as Melbourne, like I um, just cramped up really badly with the last uh, 4Ks. <laughs> and then time slips away pretty fast. Yeah, you um, just bleed it, don't you, when that happens? Yeah, but I mean, my my lead-in wasn't great for that because I had COVID just the um, I had COVID two weeks before, and I was over in Europe um, already, and then I flew back to Australia, and then I flew back over for Manchester um, because because I wasn't planning on doing the marathon. I was going to do Paris, um, so I pulled out of that, and then ASICs were like, "Oh, we're going to fly you to this event. It's over in Europe," and it was two weeks after. That and so I was like, well, if I'm going to go to Europe, I might as well do the math, do a marathon. Like, and so I um, so I did, which was, I mean, it was what it was. I hope take this in. Well, I hope you take this in the right way. But it yes. seems like the like the the organisation and the lack of knowledge about Melbourne drinks and like the the timing of like getting into these major like marathons are hard and like you need yeah, to be organised and sure. stuff with them. Do you think that's played a part? Or well, obviously it has looking at your times. I mean, in your, yeah, yeah, in your preparation. Like you yeah. see some guys, their races are locked in 20 weeks before. Sure. Um, well, it's not that you don't live that kind of, you know, full-time athlete life because you do with your training, but it's the organisation to get into the races that potentially sure. can impact it. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I mean, one, like 100%. And, and I mean, that, that was my biggest learning last year. And, like, it, it's funny because, like, you look back on things and you're like, oh, that's so dumb. Like, why did I do that? And I guess, like, in the in the heat of the moment, like, um, maybe it was more justifiable. But but just, like, explaining it sounds stupid. And if, it, if you explain something that sounds stupid, like, it probably it probably is not a very, very wise, wise decision. Well, I only make the point because it, it brings into it something different for the listeners and people like me who are like, you got to enter a race 12 months before and yeah. get the good for age time or you get your name in a ballot or whatever it is. Yeah. Like for people at your level, it's you're not a 207 guy who can, you know, get into these races as yeah. the top of the list on the elite field. And it kind of would take some work behind the scenes, I'm sure, to trying to get into London and get elite starts in some of these marathons. And can you kind of explain how that works for you? I think we often hear yeah. the, the Nick Badeau story for the, yeah. for the Melbourne Track Club guys, but how are you getting into these races? Well, I mean, I mean, first thing as well with with last year as well, which added to um, that kind of uh, lack of preparation time, was I had like a uh, bit of a heart reaction to the uh, COVID vaccine, and and it was one of those things where like I got Melbourne out of the way, and that felt pretty good, and then I had a bit of a relapse in in um, December, January, and I missed that epic, um, and then. Like in sort of February, got into good training, and with Commonwealth Games, I was I was looking to do that marathon as well, which is 
it was one of those things like when I started to like my heart rate got back to normal and and sort of that kind of thing that's sort of why I was why I did leave it a bit late for um for Paris marathon and then obviously getting COVID and it was very um yeah it was very like quick decisions like not not well thought out decisions but quick decisions with the with the focus of um trying to make the the team last year as well so like um yeah that was yeah because yeah. we sent we we didn't send anyone to the world champs and a, there was a spot on the men's commonwealth games team as well because it was just andy and um liam yeah, so sure. yeah if you could have got it it would have been a good opportunity yeah, and so, so that was the thing. Like, I think, I mean, I, I know, like, I've been in shape to run faster than I, than I have, like, hundred um, percent. But but it doesn't matter until you till you do it. Um, but yeah, so that's a bit of, a bit of a side note. Um, but yeah, with with getting into races um, and sort of planning all that that stuff out as well. Like, um, I mean, it's hard. Like, obviously, like the faster you have run like the more sort of appearance fee you can demand um and the sort of early you can get locked into races for sure um and i think i mean i haven't had as much experience at it but a lot of the older guys i've spoken to have said like it's changed a lot post covid because there's a lot more demand for these road events and i think that probably comes back to what we're saying about sort of shoes super shoes and um the the sort of emphasis of of road racing um but yeah so i mean it maybe is a little bit harder than it used to be but but still like like uh wayne laden's sort of helped me out in the past getting into races um and i've got an agent in america who's who's good um and i probably don't probably don't give them as as much credit as i as i should but it, it does like take a lot of um yeah, just like it takes a lot of worry out of the head and helps you to plan things through. But but um, not that I'm a big New Year's resolution guy, but like I, I locked in Gold Coast pretty early this year and um, sort of with Gavin um, sort of periodized the year pretty well. And so I'm hoping new year, new me. <laughs> That's exciting. Ten weeks this Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's going to come around quick. An ASICS event as well. So it'd be good yeah. to see an ASICS boy on the start line. Do you know who else Australian like potentially uh, racing? I mean, I can imagine Liam will do it. Yep. Um, Cause he's a big gold coast guy. I, I think, um, I mean, Tom DeCanto, I don't think is racing Hamburg. Um, and so I think gold coast would probably make sense for him. And, and I mean, even, even Andy and Brett, like if they race this weekend, there's still sort of eight, nine weeks to back up, which, which isn't, which isn't too, too undoable um and so it could be a good field um so but it's one of those things like i'm just going to get in as good shape as i can um and sort of go through the full marathon build and um and sort of hopefully come race day i'm sort of able to go with whatever i need to go with but i think i'll do it with a more um methodical race plan than i have in the past yeah, and I guess Gold Coast can be interesting for guys like you as well because they do bring in the, the Japanese and the Kenyan and the Ethiopians and it can almost be a bit too fast, which leaves your pack quite small if you're looking sure. around that 210 yeah. to 11 kind of time. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the other thing with road racing, which I have experienced is because you sort of go to these races and they offer the prize money, but then they offer like 
all in lights like this this time which if you run you get like this money and so like you go to sort of every race and they're always trying to run very fast times whether like in Copenhagen last year like it was super windy um it was hot as well um and like I sort of went out with the pace group and we're running uh, like low threes through 8k and then all of a sudden next 2k's were like 257 255 and then they the front group ran like close to 250 just trying to like drop everyone to get the ball rolling um which is which is crazy because like i guess as an australian guy who sort of whatever like you're going after the time whereas whereas these guys are all trying to sort of beat each other to get that money which which probably changes their their life in in like yeah, in big way. Yeah. You spoke about Gav um, Burren. We yeah. Off, I'm not sure if we brought him up, but he's the coach of Abbey Caldwell down here in Victoria. Um, Steve Monigetti? I'd, yeah, yeah. He's also and, playing a bit of a role in your coaching? Yeah, and he's been he's been great. And I think, I mean, the biggest sort of, um, biggest sort of takeaway from him is, is just the sort of simplifying of, of things um, and so working, working in just to get it, this training program, um, which have been able to sort of replicate and sort of get the body used to just doing it week in, week out. Um, and, um, and the other thing is like during the day, instead of, instead of trying to like look for things to recover or, or overcomplicating things, just like, just chill, just spend, spend time on the couch. Like, um, like instead of maybe driving like half an hour to, to ice bath and do normal tech boots, you're probably better off just sitting on the couch for, two hours or three hours, you know what I mean? Like, um, and just spending a lot more time just relaxing rather than looking, looking for things to do. So what does training look like under, so is it a, like his minor taken over for these next 10 weeks as the marathon specialist or does Gav to, still put his two bulbs worth in or, cause minor's approach and, and some of the stuff I've seen from you on Strava are quite yeah. different. Um, yeah. And I know um, Moose has had some, some big conversations with Mona, his time in Ballarat. Yeah. Like there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. And yeah, um, yeah. Is, are you going to go like traditional kind of marathon Mona Getty build up? I mean, so it's sort of been more, um, I guess, like if you looked at it with like KPIs and so like what, what are like the important things that I need to be doing? Um, and so like the big ones have been, um, like firstly, like the structure and like the periodization and getting the, the block sort of set down. Um, the second thing sort of being like the repetition and just getting your body used to, used to doing, I mean, like to me, it seems traditional, like three workouts a week. I mean, the third workout, like, um, uh, like I know a lot of guys do two workouts and I mean, maybe like maybe if he wrote it 100 percent, maybe he would mix things up but but having a day that's sort of track and interval based um having a day that's sort of hill based and then a threshold day which is which is something i personally like doing because i know if you ask uh if you ask mama like threshold wasn't really a, a big thing they they did back in the in the 90s um and then and it's been good as well like I guess Gavin and I've been been running sort of workouts on the track, which which work a lot of that um, that speed sort of side of things. Because 
I mean, that was one thing I had had been neglecting. And so, I mean, like for example, last last week, my track workout was like we did about two mile tempo, um, three by one k, um, and then 600, 400, 600, 400. Um, and it's sort of stuff like that where you're working um, sort of that set energy system sort of above above race pace. But I guess coming back to that. 5k and, and stuff we we're talking about before it's it's sort of getting into that um style of work just to get the body being sort of efficient as it can um running in that sort of upper sort of upper aerobic anaerobic zone yeah and as mona put more emphasis on the on the hills as well over the over the long runs and things like that uh yeah i mean sort of hills being its own workout was sort of one one thing um because he's sort of on the mindset like if you're going to do hills like do hills you know what i mean like don't don't do sort of something too complicated um but yeah like he's he's sort of um his overview has been very simplistic which which has been the thing i've been able to benefit from most i think yeah i must be awesome just to bounce ideas off him and things like that for pretty, sure pretty good person to have in your corner yeah, he's a nice guy as well. We, we chat a lot of music as well, which 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 is nice. <laughs> oh, we had him on the show just after he'd been to the Killers, I reckon it was, and he was yeah. up, he was up and about and after yeah after that night, yeah. I reckon. Hey, yeah. um, I want to get to a couple of the issues that you've had in the past, and I yeah. I, I speak about my iron a bit on this show. Um, yeah, I've heard you mention the red S stuff before, sure. and uh, yeah. testosterone as well. So like. Yeah. You've yeah, I've I've yeah, had similar kind of battles with the, the lack of energy and the testosterone yeah. with the blood test and things like that, but um and it's quite it's quite confronting because you're still trying as hard as you possibly can in races and workouts and you're just like, sure. What's going on? Like yeah. I'm pushing myself but nothing's kinda of coming out and it's not until yeah. you actually get the blood test done that you like figure yeah. out, Oh, I'm actually not that actual healthy here for what I'm exactly. trying to do. Yeah, I mean a hundred percent and I mean, so I had a blood test. My most recent one was the first time in like five years where everything's been pretty perfect, which was which was like I don't know, probably the the most significant thing in my running this year. You know, because you try to be as healthy as you can, especially at the start of um, each block. But it's hard because often you often people sort of I don't know look to the wrong things. Maybe you look at uh, sort of weight. Or you look at um, hard work over recovery, or you look at um, you, you don't put enough emphasis on like nutrition or sleep and um, sort of those important things because I guess the the human the human nature when you need to work hard is just to work hard, 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 and not really think about the the other things that sort of to get into that that sort of like, I guess, Ned Brockman state where you just want to push on and on and, um, and get, and just pile things on top of each other. But I mean, you don't, you don't recover outside of, um, you don't recover outside of, I mean, you, you don't recover while you're running and you don't benefit from the run while you're doing it. Um, and so I think it's that, that sort of supplementary stuff that, that makes the biggest difference. Yeah, that bro culture like keep pushing harder and yeah i yeah I, yeah it doesn't it doesn't work in running because you no. just end up broken yeah um, i mean it's it's funny because 
Um, so, like, I take a few supplements, but not too many. Like, I take a good um, magnesium and zinc, sort of a men's multi, which has been good. Uh, I take my iron, I take L-glutamine, um, and they're sort of the main, and BCAAs, they're, they're the sort of main ones from um, from True Protein. But it's, it's funny as well, like, um, there's a lot of fads out there, like, with magnesium and, and other stuff. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's important to do sort of research and get the right thing, but, I mean, nothing beats hours of sleep, I think. Yeah, how did you, what do you put down to getting your testosterone back to a healthy level, just because that's I'd obviously say, something you can't supplement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say sleep's number one. Like, I went to a really good sports doctor at the start of the year called David Samra, um, and because I went to him and my testosterone was 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 low, and I was sort of expecting him to be like overly concerned or like, oh, dude, you need to like make sure you're like supplementing like magnesium and zinc because they help. But he was really like, how oh, how much sleep are you getting? And I was like, well, sort of eight hours. And he was like, you should be getting like as close to ten hours a night as you can. Um, and so so I have been doing that. Um, I mean, sometimes even even if I stay up a little bit late, like I've been making sure I sort of still try to get that that time that time of sleep. And so I went back and got another blood test after um, a few months, and and it was like uh, like doubled what it was, which was which was good. And like I feel a lot more a lot more energetic, and I think that that has been the the number one factor has just been. Um, sleep and just time time off the legs between between running yeah that's great that you can identify it and then improve it and then yeah. i guess like because this is really your job too you don't you don't work part-time at all like your full kind of time with asics and oakley full-time with asics yeah yeah um and i i mean i do do shoe development with with them and so sort of design shoes and um we sort of have uh regular meetings with the japan team which is which is cool because like i love all that but but yeah just I guess full time job, just trying to get the most out of my body. Yeah, what can can you tell us anything? Like what's coming? We reviewed um, the um, Super Blast last week. I said that's it's only April, but I reckon that's the best jog and shoe I'm going to run in this year. That's yeah. that's the real deal. I actually purchased a pair. Yeah, um, I, we got a pair to review, and then I thought, no, nah, I really need to get another one of these pairs because that's a good shoe. But can yeah. you tell us what else is potentially coming or what to look out for? I mean, yes, we'll say we'll say yes. Um, <laughs> Until we have to cut it after yeah. record it, yeah. Yeah. No, I. Um, so, so for example, like I'm testing seven different prototype shoes at the moment with them, and so there's a lot. There's a lot of different things they've been they've been trying out, um, which is which is good, and it, it's funny as well because I know Tom DeCano is in the same sort of boat. We both got big big feet, so um, I mean weight in a shoe is definitely sort of one of the more noticeable factors as shoes get sort of thicker and um, more more stuff gets put into them. Um, but it's it's cool. Like there, there's one shoe which I think is – I mean, it's my favorite shoe I've worn. Like even if I could wear the next percent, I mean, like when I started with Asics, like um, like 100%, like their shoe was still behind. Like you, you've seen like those – the data and stuff on like those different Instagram stuff, like like it's sort of it's sort of evident that they Nike had the the jump on on these shoes, but I mean really like um, 
yeah, the new Edge and, and Sky, the stuff that's going to be coming out for the Olympics next year, um, I think it's going to be pretty pretty special. Um, and you can, I mean, you can really tell, like, if you pick up a shoe and you feel the foam, like, you can almost, like, instantly tell how good it's going to be to a certain degree, if you know what I mean. Oh, the amount of times you can just walk up the hallway in your house after you've got a box delivered to the to the front door and you just kind of I reckon runners we just know instantly you're like okay this is the real deal this is just yeah. going to be a workhorse this is sure. not going to get worn like yeah, yeah you can make that call in in 20 meters up the hallway you can and I think when the when the phones sort of came out and they were using a lot of Peeber and other other brands were using like um sort of more expanded EVA also like nitrogen infused stuff um and so all the foams looked a bit different, but I guess like that that Nike foam um, had that sort of yellowish tint on the on the if you know what I mean that sort of off off white sort of foam. I mean mm. that's that's sort of the stuff that's sort of in the new um, ASIC shoes, which is good. And they they put a lot of emphasis into their like plate technology as well, uh, which is which is good. Um, and the other thing is like the upper, I really really like because I, n- I never wear socks for my hard days um and so like if it's shoes not comfortable like you blister within within a run but like these shoes they're they're pretty good um and so i think i think they will become a lot more popular um and so yeah i've loved loved being with asic which is cool i mean yeah the super blast the nova blast like i don't i don't know why you would jog in a nike peg or something like that when when like other shoe companies are putting a lot more um uh emphasis into their just sort of everyday joggers and trainers mm. emma bates today asics girl fifth yeah that was a good run from her yeah. um so yeah they've talked about that kind of currency coming through and i like asking people what they'd want to change about the sport yeah um i can imagine you'd have some creative things here so we'll go we'll go in two parts like yeah. you're sebco for the day you're in charge of world athletics for the day yeah. um and then you're in charge of athletics australia you know a week later so what would you change on the global level first if you were in charge of world athletics you know i, think, I, I know because i know you like heaps of sports too like you're a big consumer yeah. of sports so it's like i feel yeah. like you can look at all these different sports and say hey this is what running needs so i think um if i was looking at it from a lot of different sports like um, so I'm a big baseball fan, and the thing where baseball is most successful is, and it's sort of baseball and cycling are the same things with with cricket because they're on for um, sort of a long period of time. Like you can look at the marathon in the same sort of sense, and you sort of got to boost advertising revenue, whether it's from uh, sponsors and um, and betting companies or TV TV ads and signage. Um, so I mean, I think the first thing I'd change is probably allowing more sponsors on on kits because at the moment there's not really that much um there's not that much you can offer a brand in terms of um like visibility when you're actually racing so say like so say true protein sponsoring me like i can't have true protein plastered across my singlet and like it probably wouldn't look great as well but i think if you come at it from a sort of cycling point of view I'd also um, try to make it more team-based and, and make it more of a series where you can sort of in, introduce a lot more um, sort of like sponsorship and stuff. And I, it's funny because you watch Boston and like you know the top 
uh, I mean, a big race like Boston, you might sort of know eight eight guys racing, but like you watch the Tour of Flanders or like a big cycling race, and you could name probably like fifty or sixty guys because they're doing every race. Whereas like the World Majors, you can maybe do like one or two a year. So I think um, a more streamlined racing series would be good, where you could see sort of more familiar names over and over. Um, and I actually spoke to Jos Hermans from NN running over in London. Um, Kip Chogi's manager, Bikili's manager. Yeah, and he was saying he wants to make, I mean, yeah, and he runs NN, and he, he was saying he wants to make running more, more team-based like cycling um, because that's where he believes there's the most um, most room to, to grow in that sort of sense. Um, but, I mean, even things like allowing, like, sports betting and, and stuff, like you've got to look at sort of revenue streams that filter down uh, for the athletes. Um, so would you would you potentially streamline things a bit? Because I feel like our sport gets pulled in the athletics, the road racing. You know, sure. you can go ultra trail. You can go yeah. recreational charity. Like yeah. it goes in all these different directions. So no. if you're Sebco, you're getting everyone in the same room and said, "Hey, from now on, this is what we're doing. This yeah. is the track series. This is the road racing series. Sure. Here's your budget. Create some teams." These yeah. are the points. Who's the winner yeah. at the end of the year? There's ladders throughout the year, stuff like that, potentially. For sure. Because, I mean, at the moment, like, you sit down and you're like, okay, like, which of, like, 200 marathons do I want to race to <laughs> yeah. a year? You know what I mean? Like, it just dilutes the the talent um, pool a lot. And, I mean, the talent pool is huge because, like, running is, like, one of those sports where, like, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of fast guys, but... If you look at the talent pool in terms of like uh, household or known names, like it is, yeah. it is small. Actual characters though is very, yeah. very small, isn't it? Like I'm yeah. a fan of running and I probably, you know, I'm watching Boston today and there's not a lot of people in those lead packs that actually know their stories. Yeah. And that's what you, you really, I was watching today to see if Kip Chogi was going to get beaten because yeah. that was going to be the story. And yeah. it's not so, like he's getting dropped by five guys. I only know two of them. And I'm a guy yeah. who has a podcast for five years talking about running. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but I think as well, like, I, I mean, like, when when you create teams, like, you give the athletes a voice as well, especially, like, sort of East African guys, like, I mean, there's no way social media for them is as key to their day-to-day lives as it is in <laughs> Australia or America. But I think when when teams get set up and you have, like, people sort of help them out with that stuff, like, you do give them a big voice and like you mean the whole Kipchoge thing like I mean there's no way he runs his own Instagram account I said this today I read I read his yeah his post out to his to my wife and I just said he doesn't know the login details to that account yeah he doesn't see that he's sitting in his hotel room sleeping someone else is doing all that for him yeah exactly um and so like yeah but if he didn't have Instagram like he would be like nowhere nowhere near as I mean, obviously, like, yeah. he's seven thousand, seven and a half thousand comments. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. very engaging. They're doing a fantastic job of it, yeah. Sure. But I think, yeah, you got to look at teams like NN and the ON group in America um, and the Chojo group in um, in in Kenya and, and sort of how they, they, they help tell the athletes' stories, I think, is important. Um, so I think that's one thing, like, make it more team-based and make it more of a series where you can really actually – where you can really follow it and like you said with leaderboards and and stuff like that um but as well at the same time like you do have to increase 
revenue streams and there has to be sort of sponsorship betting and and other ways which can can filter down for the athletes and fund that like it's yeah so like at the moment it's not like it's ed goddard's responsibility to promote ed goddard at the moment and asics might do it occasionally but you don't have a team working on that for sure and you look at like i mean like a, a major marathon like uh i don't know new york like they'd be getting millions and millions of dollars from the the government and the the state government to run these events but by the time it sort of goes to um sort of like setting up the whole city for a day and and goes to the event organizers and and goes through all these different streams it doesn't really um filter down for the athletes and so i think you need to bring revenue in from um different different angles that doesn't necessarily go to the people so organizing it but actually goes to the to the athletes yeah good one Uh, yeah that's yeah there's a bit there we could keep talking about that for another half an hour i think but tell me about athletics australia local level because I'll, I'll look at you in New South Wales, and you seem like a bit of a, a bit of a, I guess, lone soldier up there. Like you're doing a lot of stuff solo. I think about the the 62 to 65 minute guys in Victoria, and then I think yeah. about the 62 to 65 minute guys in New South Wales, and yeah. like it must be hard for you to um to train, I suppose, and have company in workouts and, sure. and things like that. And then, yeah. so, so how do we, how do we grow the sport in Australia? What would you do? I don't even well, know who the pre- president of Athletics Australia is at the moment, but you're in charge. Yeah. I'd say, um, I mean, the big thing is, I guess, Athletics Australia have a lot of their work made it easy for them because the whole um, collegiate system in America, it's, it's their whole under 23, their whole under 23 development system doesn't really have to exist because all the distance guys go to America and come back running 1320 or 1330 you know what I mean like that yeah. whole that whole pathway like and obviously there's no way they can in, invest as much money as like the big the big 10 or the pac 12 can but um, but I think what would be good would be to to help harness a system that sort of helps athletes when they come back from America, or if they don't want to go to America, sort of help set up um, sort of talent pathways in in different states. Because, um, like, I know I know there was the under twenty three trip to to England last year, but they were racing pretty uh, pretty odd meets. Like, they weren't sort of they were winning all the races. Like, there wasn't that much um, uh, competition for the guys. I think I think sort of putting a lot more emphasis on that would be would be good but I mean at the same time like if you look at it like other professional sports like you do have to um like you do have to sort of market the athletes better and I mean even if you get back to the team team stuff and the betting stuff I mean maybe if there was more um input from Athletics Australia in in helping to set up uh teams or or different series like I mean they did such a good job with the the um the Grand Prix meets this year, um, but like, wouldn't it be cool if those meets linked in on a leaderboard with other meets, and maybe you had like, uh, I don't know, the on team from America brought a team over, you had a team from sort of NN bring a team over, and you have a few guys in each race, and there's sort of a leaderboard at the end of the night, stuff like that. I think would be would be good, but um, I mean, I think a lot of those stuff is going that way, but I think it could be pushed maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think the, the ship's heading in the right direction. Like even just 
commenting on the sport two or three years ago. Like yeah. it feels like, and even, you know, an Ollie Hoare is a good example that gets into that US system, thrives in that system, stays in that system, and then, you know, could have done what he done at the Commonwealth Games and a lot of people know who he is and then fallen off the radar. But kind of yeah. the world cross would have kept his name kind of up there a bit more, the yeah. Murray Plant win. Like yeah. it's kind of as much publicity in, in two or three months as you could probably get for a for a runner. Jess Hull kind of similar. Like I feel like yeah. they're starting to push through. I can ask the ladies at work about him and they know him yeah. kind of thing. But, I mean, I guess even with those meets, like it was so hard to even find them on – like streams you used to go like on the seven plus app and mm. try to log in through the TV and you know what I mean? Like send an email to yourself and like fill yeah, out, you verify know, your account. It was just, you could just put it on TV. Like, I mean, I'm sure like a rerun of like auction hunters could get postponed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like big fishing adventures yeah. or whatever it is on it. Yeah. yeah. I do love river monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, all right, we solved some problems there. That was good. That was good. Hey, yeah. I often I like to ask people, um, you might not have an answer to this because it might be television, but it, what's on the bedside table? you got a book on the go at the moment? Mm, I mean, I'd like to say yes, but but, but no. Um, I'm more, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I sort of watch TV. Like, I do, I do like, I'm a big pictures guy, um, but, like, if I'm flicking through a magazine, like, I'd, I'd happily flick through, like, an old Greg Chapel Cricket magazine from and reminisce about like different sports equipment from 2007 and, and stuff like that. That's that's my kind of non non eventful read at the moment. I love it. That's okay. We'll accept that. And yeah. then races upcoming. I spoke about Gold Coast, but I think you're in action at the Sydney 10K as well. You kind of touched on maybe a couple of weeks yeah. away. Sydney 10, which is two weeks. Um, and then, and then Gold Coast. I mean, I'd, I'd love to run a half between between those two. Um, I mean, Launceston's getting a little bit close to, to Goldie. It's, I think, three weeks before, which, I mean, is doable. But, um, but I mean, they're the sort of two big, two big races. Um, but, but, yeah, I guess this whole year has been sort of get the body back on track, um, try some more, more chilled um, – headspace approach and just sort of put my head down with training and, and get a good good amount of work done and hopefully that sort of pays pays off rather than um, sort of looking for races or looking for things to present themselves. Yeah, I feel like the breakthroughs, it's coming. And I did have a chat with, um, I, I won't say his name, but there was a, a bloke who knows a lot about running who he yeah. picked you to be the man to break the Australian record. He's like, no, no, Ed Goddard's the guy. He does the high mileage. He's done it for years. Once he breaks through, he's breaking through. So, I mean, um, yeah, like I, you're putting in the work is what I'm trying to say. I have, yeah. I mean, I think one one of the good things about going to the marathon early is that I think a lot of those teething issues I've I've worked my way way through um and yeah i mean i i do think that the method of which i'm sort of training with now and um sort of my day-to-day athlete life is is very sustainable which is which is good um because i think that's the the thing that's going to help me run as well as i can for as as long as i can um yeah you, you can't do you can't do everything was the big learning curve last year and um and just i think it's exciting being like a pro runner 
Um, and I, I, I really liked that excitement last year. Um, but I think just putting my head down and actually um, focusing on the process more than the, the outcome is is where I'll benefit from most. Yeah, well, there's not many of them. So, like, yeah, it's good to hear you're grateful for the, and excited by that opportunity because yeah, I'm trying to think, like, there'd be 10 in Australia, people doing, running for their job. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it is cool, but, um, I mean, I am also uh, hoping to set up a bit of a team in, in Sydney, getting back to the whole the whole Sydney thing. Maybe we'll be a, be a bit of a Lord of the Rings type, bringing, bringing people from far afield to join a greater cause but um yeah well here we go watch this space all the thing yeah it's got got a few names on paper and and talking to a few different brands as well because um i don't think any one sponsor can um put put like isn't enough money or resources into a thing i think it needs to be a sort of bit of collaborative effort to to get it off the ground but um yeah i think it's going to be cool and um, hopefully for some guys coming back from college in America, when, when they finish, there'll be a bit of a, a system in place that sort of helps them helps them out. So you're talking like <clears throat> similar to what On's done in Melbourne now, but the Sydney branch of Miss, not Misfits, but you yeah. know, combination of different yeah. brands oh, come oh. together. Yeah, the fellowship. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say so. And I, I guess with with ASICS um, as a strong like global global brand as well, like, they do look after the athletes really well, um, but so a lot of the sponsors have gone gone to um, have all been sort of brands like, well, which sponsors can really help make an athlete's life easier, and what what do you need? So it's not just um, it's not just like running shoes, but like looking at physio and, and recovery and, and nutrition and stuff as well. So sort of trying to sort of encapsulate that that package, which is sort of given to athletes when they're over in in America and um, put it more into day-to-day life in, in Sydney, Australia. Because the cash is the big one, isn't it? Like, you can be getting three or four kit drops a year, but if you can't pay your rent or pay for physio or pay sure. for massages or, or food sure. or whatever it is, you're never going to make it. So it's trying to get those income streams in there that can, yeah, um, yeah. someone's taking care of your rent for 12 months, then you can work yeah. a few hours to pay for your food and then you can run. For sure. Because, I mean, it's crazy. Like, uh, I train up at... Um, um, Narrabeen, like the Academy of Sport up there, there's a track, yeah. uh, and like those triathlon guys, like within N Swiss, like they can they can live at the center for a very cheap rent. They've got physio paid for. They've got like a track, a pool, like basically semi-private roads for cycling on around there. Like it's is very well well looked after. Whereas like. Um, sort of an athlete in in sydney like n swiss doesn't really provide those same amenities for the athlete and so i guess looking into <laughs> privatize a little bit but like i got backing from sort of athletics new south wales and stuff as well and so so hopefully um yeah hopefully it all comes into play pretty pretty well but yeah i think it's a watch this space thing <laughs> yeah cool that's exciting and then yeah, um... i guess the other thing is like sort of looking at the group to um sort of help the community as well like i think we'll, we'll have a um we're gonna like have a, a run group and um and stuff because i think the better we can engage the community in different, different run groups and, and stuff as well like i think the better off the running community in sydney will be yeah spot on couldn't agree more that community stuff's so important um 
Ed, it's been we've been talking for seventy minutes, and it's been it's been good to pick your brain on different things because I think usually the lead questions with you are tell us about the mullet, tell us about the phone, Shit. tell us about the Strava um, yeah. titles, and it's been good to actually go a bit deeper. And um, for sure. yeah, as I said in the intro, like I find that you're a fascinating person. And you kind of just explain the entrepreneurial kind of side of um, of you know trying to get the most out of your running and, and ways you can grow yeah. it. So. Massive thanks for the uh, for the time and yeah. Anything else you want to people can follow you on any ha- any um, handles or anything like that? Uh, I mean, just Instagram and Strava. Um, I mean, if you like rock and roll music, then you'll like my Strava, and if you don't, you might hate it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Beautiful, Ed. Yeah. Thanks for your yeah. time for the Inside Run podcast. Enjoyed it. Ah, time flies, mate. Yeah, sweet as. Special thanks to ASICS for sponsoring this week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast. The Super Blast Shoe adds another super running companion to your ASICS lineup. Generous, lightweight cushioning underfoot minimizes the impact of repeat training on the body, making it ideal for longer runs, faster attempts, and recovery training. Visit asics.com.au to get your pair today.